does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Well, this one, according to plan, we started the air and neither of us had headsets that worked. So That's that was right. the way it goes, off right? to a roaring start. And I've been here for a while, about 15 minutes. Good morning to you on a Wednesday, hump day Wednesday. That was the voice of Mark Dykton. My name is Jake Quarry, Kevin Bowen down in Florida for the next couple of days. So Sam Fritz slides into the pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon. Mark Dykton slides into Kevin's and I sit where I normally do where there are no headsets on a Wednesday. It's Kevin and Query here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Good morning. A lot to talk about this morning is Mark and I were just kind of going over uh, really kind of a 50-50 in terms of the Pacers to talk about. There's obviously always Colts news to talk about. I have a couple of interesting theories to get to regarding the Colts or perspectives, I guess you'd say. Uh, you know, one of the things, Mark, I, I was thinking about, and this is a little outside the box. Coming from you, that shocks me. I know. But I thought about this as I drove in this morning. And I know why it is. I understand why it is. But a huge kudos and a huge credit goes to one of our local teams. One of our local teams, in the way that you probably would least expect, gets huge credit for the following reason. When I was a kid, I remember in 1983, I'm too young to remember 76, well, let me take that back. I, I, I recall kind of the, the hub around 76, but I didn't really grasp what was going on. But by 83, I remember well playing basketball at the Jordan YMCA and my dad and the guy that coached our team saying, like, how about Indiana, ranked number one in the country? And that was such a big deal to me. Like, Indiana, the state where I lived, was ranked number one in the country. Mm -hmm. And then in 87, you know, Indiana flirted with being number one. They, they went to number one Iowa. The number one ranking meant so much to me. In 89, they got up to number two, and I, I just was thrilled by it. Then in 93, they were number one for the vast majority of the season, and I think a lot of Indiana fans still clamor. You know, last night I'm at the Pacer game, and there's Calvert Chaney working for the Pacers, and I'm like, man, how many people in this building just probably don't even realize Calvert Chaney's here would still fawn over Calvert Chaney because he was the captain of a number one ranked team in the land, and then Oladipo when they were number one. And here we have a team – that very little was expected of over the course of the college basketball season that has ascended to the number one ranking in the country. And with Purdue, we're just like, oh, yeah, Purdue's undefeated, number one. Okay, whatever. I, it's a remarkable accomplishment. They are, at this point, their resume clearly is as good, if not better, than anyone's in college basketball for this season. And I think it's a huge kudos to Purdue, not just because they're ranked number one, but because we're not stunned by this. Regardless of the fact that they lost a lottery pick to the NBA in Jaden Ivey, they lost a really good player 
you know, around him in the interior, and yet they just replace, they just plug and replace, and here they are, unbeaten and number one. I mean, granted, they don't play again until, what is it, uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night against yeah, tomorrow. Florida A&M? Mm-hmm. But still, like just sitting as an unbeaten number one team in the country, and we don't even talk about it. I mean, we're guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it. Like it's unbelievable. If I'm a Purdue fan, I, I, literally, I'm waking up every morning like my college basketball team is the number one team in the country, and no one's talking about it. Like, I'm sorry. I know it's tough for Indiana fans to realize, but but you know, Indiana's trying to find their footing, and Purdue's number one in the land. I think Purdue, a lot of people thought Purdue was going to be in like a transition year because totally. they lost so many people. Now now they're number one again. I think it might be due to the where it's currently at in the college basketball season. We're still very early on, and I think a lot of people are still in football mode. And I, mean, I understand that. I get that. So I could see why that gets a little bit swept under the rug. But yeah, they've off off to a great start. Obviously undefeated. Uh, Florida A and M tomorrow, and then the the uh, Big Ten schedule gets underway. Uh, once we flip the calendar to 2023 when they take on Rutgers on January 2nd. But, yeah, great start for Purdue. Uh, I hope they can keep it up. It'll be fun fun to last if uh, they can get it all the way to March and whatnot and let that let that stuff ride. So you had mentioned, Mark, that you watched the Pacers game last night. Pacers, yes. an impressive win over the Atlanta Hawks. Impressive because, I mean, those are two teams with virtually identical records. Uh, but Indiana coming off a of back-to-back, so that's always impressive when you can do that. Um but what that means is you didn't see, and I'm not certain what he was doing when he missed the free throw intentionally, the ball caromed to him, and he hit a shot to force overtime at the buzzer en route to a 60.21 rebound, 10 assist, triple-double for Luka Doncic. But when he forced the overtime with a shot that he hit, did you see the the like wild conniption dance he did? Oh, yeah. I would have done the same thing. I mean, I get it, right? I probably would have pulled something, but I would have done it. <laughs> well, he's not exactly the most in-shape fella. No. He's kind of like me. He's a little doughy. But 60, 21, and 10? Hey. I mean, that's him. unbelievable, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that was impressive. I, I was watching the end of the Pacers game, and then I got I saw everybody on tour was like, Luca! And I was like, okay, what happened? So then I switched over to League Pass. And I was like, oh, oh my. And then, yeah, I mean, that was... That was a hell of a game, a hell of a performance by Luka Doncic. So, a reason why stars are stars, a performance like that. Pacers, really good. The nice win. Nice. I'm sure Kevin was doing the gritty in Florida when he got that alert that the Pacers won and beat the Hawks. Very quiet 22 points from Trey Young. I thought you were in, there in person. Did you? Really, it was one of those things where you looked up, like, he has 22 points right now. Didn't really seem like it was that that much of a uh, impressive effort yeah, from that's, him. A quiet 22 is a good way to say right. it. He had one three that he hit a three from deep, and it was like, oh, wow, okay. I mean, there's that, there's Trey Young, right? Um, but, yeah, it wasn't like the typical flash. You know, and I'll tell you who else had kind of a quiet but effective night, O'Shea Brissett for the mm-hmm. Pacers. Yeah, yeah, he was very impressive last night. Um, and Buddy Heald got off to a, a huge start and a, a fast start. We'll talk about him over the course of the morning. As a matter of fact, Alex Golden's going to join us at 9 o'clock this morning. I'm sure Buddy Heal will be a topic of discussion. Taylor Tannenbaum, who sent a tweet yesterday that was interesting regarding Chris Ballard, is going to join us at 8.30 in the morning. Um, And Taylor can expand upon when she said that Chris Ballard has fractured a lot of relationships 
with players. And we'll get and we'll just kind of touch base with her anyway, as she's obviously a friend of Indianapolis from WTHR now at the ACC Network. Uh, Mark, did you do anything fun last night? So I watched the Pacers game. That was that was actually pretty fun. I enjoyed doing that, and then uh, pretty much trying to still organize and put away Christmas gifts that the girls got. It's still a floodgate by our front door, just unloading stuff and like, okay, what did I just step on? Is this Barbie piece broken now or can it be reassembled? You have three girls? Yes. A lot of Barbie pieces? Lots of Barbies and lots of dinosaurs. Uh, The oldest is obsessed with dinosaurs and the other two are Barbie and Disney princesses and everything. So we have a mishmash of dinosaurs, Barbies, and Disney princesses at the moment. You know, the good news last night and today, uh, just so in case anybody's keeping score at home, nobody drove on the canal. That's good. I saw that video, and I at first I was like, wait, where is that car going? I, I was like, that that road's really icy. What? I was like, oh, wait, it's the canal. How on the earth did you get down there? That that's he, Here's the thing. For those that are unfamiliar, yesterday, unfortunately, the woman is okay. You said unfortunately? Uh, no, I said for. And, oh, I said unfortunately. She's okay. I was like, no, oh, man. And fortunately, she took a okay. dark turn. There were a, a couple of people ice skating on the downtown canal near like the indiana historical society and you know they were videotaping and all of a sudden they're like um there's a car driving right down the middle of the canal and to your point mark to the eye if you if you were not from indianapolis and didn't know the geography of you know when you just saw the video it it looks like it could be a street because it was completely frozen but they're saying they're like do you think that person knows that it's thawed like up by where they're going mm-hmm and they found out because the car went under. Fortunately, the per- the driver was able to get out, and then Good Samaritans helped him. I think out of the water. Um, you know, I did see. I, one would assume she. It was a female, and she apparently told police that her GPS had her going that way. Um, but how do you get down there? I, that's what I want to know. Like, the, I, I think she had to drive like down one of the. You have to go down a stairwell, new- didn't you? Or get down an embankment, down the grass? Yeah, I, I don't you'd understand. Have to drive down the grass. That's the part where you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I'd be at that point. I'd be like, oh, this GPS app needs to get deleted if it's telling me <laughs> to go down the grass. I, I believe they said alcohol was a factor. Well. But I mean, the the off road. Once you were on it, I could see how you probably. I mean, you would think that you would figure out you're on ice, right? <laughs> Driving on water. <laughs> well, I mean, it's frozen solid. Yeah. But the traction had to have been a little You better have some solid right? tires, yeah. I also, speaking of odd means of transportation, and this is not sports-related, I realize, but can somebody explain to me, Mark, can you explain to me, I'm asking kind of rhetorically, what's going on with Southwest Airlines? Oh, well, yeah, that was flooding my Twitter feed as well yesterday. I was like, what, what is going on? And I just kept seeing luggage bag after luggage bag and a laundry list of luggage all over the country where they canceled like 70% of their flights and people can't people are stuck before Christmas and then we're told they can't book till after New Year's and all that I I don't understand that like the well, web, people were saying that the uh, customer service phone line that they tell you to call was completely down so people are just like is Southwest Airlines still in business what's going on I mean in all honesty it makes you wonder if Southwest is going to be able to come out of it because they've 2,500 flights again today. The The vast majority of the problem is two of their hubs are Midway and Denver airports, and both of those got slammed. But then my understanding is they use like a different system in terms of their computer banking 
for navigating a lot of different things and then obviously manpower and whatever else. But, um, I, I mean, I, I did see some people were saying like, you know, like if you were in Baltimore and you were stranded and you're trying to get to, say, Cleveland, I, at some point, don't you just punt and rent a car? Well, I was told that there are no rental cars available. That was the other issue is that people were like, we have no other ways of getting out of here. There was no... Man, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. I did see a cool story. There's right no before... planes, trains, and automobiles situation right. that they could get into. Well, I saw a cool story right before Christmas where there were four people, and I can't recall. They were. I think it was Cleveland where they were going, and they were in... Was it Orlando or Tampa? And their flights were all canceled. And it was for younger people. Like, it looked like they were all four were probably between the ages of 28 and 35, something like that. Four total strangers. And they're like, they were all going to Cleveland. And there was like one rental car left. And they're like, all right, let's do it. And so the four of them rented a car together and drove like 16 hours straight through. I think I said it was 20. Um, you know, and they did posted it and they did some tiktok videos and i mean they were like having you they actually looked like that four would be people fun that, well they looked like four people that were like college roommates or yeah. something i mean it was two guys and two girls i i had that's a lifelong story you got there well i had two friends on 9 11 i hate to bring that up but <laughs> um my friends uh, scott and stacy singer were coming back from their honeymoon in europe and were like over the atlantic when you know they got the word mm -hmm. hey when we land you know this so they landed in, I, I want to say, New York. Maybe it was Philadelphia. And there were no flights available, of course. No connecting flights. So they rented a van with, it was like a guy from, you know, like Buffalo, a guy from Cleveland, and a guy from Pittsburgh or something. And they all just piled into a van together and like, let's go. Right, what can you do, right? Yeah, not much you, you gotta, can do you at that point. Cause um, you had raised an interesting point, Mark, about last night from the Pacer game. Sam Fritz said it as well this morning. One thing we know about Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald to me is a fascinating player because, and the Pacers have had players like this over the course of their franchise history. Reggie Miller is clearly the one that comes to mind. To be honest with you, and we we saw such limited glimpses of it that that I don't know that people realize this, but Jonathan Bender was this kind of a player. But lightning in a bottle, guys. Guys that, like, all of a sudden in the course of a game, when it hits, they can erupt for, like, 10 points and two minutes. You know, just, whoa, what just happened? Like a flurry of points, shots just fall. They're in a zone. And you don't know when it's going to happen, so you kind of always have them on the floor because you're waiting for it mm -hmm. to happen. But it really did happen last night with Buddy Heal, to be honest with you. I mean, he, you know, he's six to seven from three point range. At one point, he scored 10 points in like a, a minute and a half. Yeah. I mean, it was, he was just dropping dimes left and right. And, you know, he ended up at 28. I, I, I think that there has, I have heard for a year and a half the conversation about Buddy Heal being traded. And he's, you know, he may be. And I'm, I, what I'm about to say, you know, people may look back and go, what an idiot that he would say that. He had no idea what he's talking about. But to me, the vast majority of conversation regarding Buddy Heald and a trade has been about teams that would be hoping to trade for Buddy Heald as opposed to conversation that was originated by Indiana offering their desire or their for sale sign regarding Buddy Heald. I mean, I, 
I've not heard Indiana say that they're looking to part ways with him. No, I feel like every t- ever since they acquired him, though, the the buzz, oh, he's just here temporarily. He's going to get moved and stuff. And then there's talk, obviously, like oh, he can trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Now I'm I I think there's a a very real possibility that neither get traded. The Pacers Agreed. are in the playoff hunt. There's rumors that the Pacers and Miles Turner are opening up contract extensions. And I think Buddy Heald, the way he's playing, I said at the beginning of the year, and people kind of were like, well, he's 30 years old. You can't keep him around. He's not going to be here for the core. I'm like, well, 30 years old isn't that old for the NBA these days. And uh, I don't know. I like what Buddy Heald has done. I like what he brings to the team. I think he's a great dynamic. And I would love to see him stick around because I think you can't, especially if Knights, if, if Benedict Matherin, which we're kind of seeing in December, is hitting a little bit of a rookie wall at Correct. the moment. Correct. Buddy Heald has picked up, you know, where Matherin's kind of dropped off. And you get that added scoring that, you know, what Matherin's kind of losing, Heald is taking in with the ball and running with it. So I like what Buddy Heald brings. I think they should very highly consider bringing him back and not trade him at all. And uh, I would I don't know about you, but I like what he brings to the table. I think he's a great use on this roster. Watch sometime. It happened last night with Halliburton late in the game. I think actually they called Halliburton for an offensive foul. We thought it was an and one at the moment where he was slow to get up. Or watch when Miles Turner or Aaron Neesmith, you know, drives to the lane and gets knocked down. Regardless of where he is on the floor, assuming he's in the game at the moment it happens, look who the first player is. The Pacers are one of the best teams in the NBA at the following. And I watch a lot of games. I mean, I watch pretty closely. I don't disingenuous to say that I see every ge- every team's every game. I don't see every game for the Pacers. How much dare to you. the chagrin of Region Bryan. But I attend probably twenty five of the home games. I would say sixty to seventy percent of them. Um, so I watch pretty intently. I-, I watch. I see at least a little bit of the majority of their games. My relationship was somewhat dependent on it for a long time. Um, and with other teams, I don't see this. The Pacers have to lead the league and the number of teammates that go over to help up a teammate when they're knocked to the floor. Now, that sounds way nuanced and extremely Freudian. But there's something to be said for it because this particular group of players, you know, whether it's a, a credit to Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it's by design. But this particular group of players just seems to really cohesively work well with one another, and I think Buddy Heald is a huge part of that. I think I, that, too. I've, I mean, I've never heard a bad word spoken about him. He seems like he's a great teammate. I I just think he brings a lot more than just the points on the floor. I think he's a leader in the locker room, and I think he brings that kind of like veteran mentality to the to a young team. I know he's the elder statesman of the team at 30 years old because it's a very young roster, but I think you need guys like that. You know, you know what he appears to be. Yeah, everyone's buddy. Oh well, that's really well said. <laughs> Check buddy, the time, seven nineteen. Buddy healed simply when he's out on the floor. He just comes off like with the rest of the team. He's everyone's buddy. I'm surprised you're making like an elf reference or something. <laughs> By the way, my friend Alex just sent a, a great tweet. Don't trade Buddy Hield or Miles Turner. How much younger can we get? Yeah. And, and you, like you said, Mark, you need you do need 
some level of veteran leadership, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, 30 years old, again, in the NBA, that's not that bad. And I, I, I think exactly what he's bringing to the table is what you need. You need someone that you can rely on to possibly get hot. You know, if other if the young guys are struggling. Uh, what, what are you drinking this morning in your Bucky's? Oh, this is my daily coffee. That's all it is. It's just coffee. Went Snickers flavored today. <laughs> yeah. No, There's on. a Snickers flavored yeah. coffee. I was at Kroger and they had... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So the coffee itself is Snickers flavored or you put like a little cream no, right at the Snickers No, it's, it says I was at Kroger and it had, you know, they had sale on cure K cups. So I was like, okay, let's let's get a little crazy here. And I was like perusing and I looked and it said Snickers. And I said, now what now? And I looked and it was a Snickers flavored coffee. I was like, well, let's roll the is dice on this one. Is there any coffee in that? Or is yes. it now? I mean, yes, it's real coffee. It's not like a, there's not nougat in there, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, is it like it? It's not bad. What's the caloric intake of it? Oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, do you realize how many false toxins you're probably putting in your body just to taste? Well, Snickers? I'm 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 dispensing it from a plastic container, <laughs> why, so I can only imagine. Why don't you just basically go get a Snickers bar and buy yourself a smoothie machine and whip it up and put it in there? <laughs> well, hey, don't tempt me with a good time, sir. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm gonna see know? if I can find the caloric intake of a Snickers coffee. Here's the image right here. I'm telling you, this is what enticed me. Now wait, a minute. This the original was- donut shop coffee, Snickers coffee. Artificially flavored. Who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the Snickers is so naturally flavored yeah. as it is, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, there is a, a coffee. 12 count. So. so I've never been a coffee guy. I don't like coffee. My entire family drinks coffee. I don't. Every family event we're at, like, do you want coffee? No, I don't want coffee. Jake, do- Jake's not drinking coffee. Is everything okay with Jake? Jake's fine. Jake doesn't drink coffee. You on coffee would be something to see, I feel but, like. Well, so Motman tells me he's like look so from a heart standpoint you know he's like i would suggest eventually you try start to drink coffee because it's a little better for you than like the everything that comes with an energy drink he actually said diet mountain dew is okay so i actually went and bought ground coffee and got a coffee maker and so I, i i will i don't necessarily like it but i drink a cup of coffee on my way in and one of the brands of coffee at the grocery store, Death Wish Coffee. Are you familiar with this? I have heard them, yep. I, I looked it up. There's no way that this could be possible. This is what they advertise, Mark, and I don't see how this is possible. Have you looked up the caffeine content in Death Wish Coffee? I mean, it's got the name, so I can't imagine it's... Look up the caffeine content of a 12-ounce cup of Death Wish Coffee. There's no way this is possible. 59 per ounce? Is that what I'm seeing correctly? A 12-ounce cu- cup of Death Wish coffee is supp- is like 1,500 milligrams of coffee. Oh, I'm looking at that wrong then. Oh, my God. That's like nine Red Bulls. There's no way that's possible, right? I feel like you'd have a heart attack if you took a sip of that. Totally. I, I-, I don't see how... I- Maybe I read it wrong. <laughs> I almost hope. I hope you did. You almost had to have. No, no, hold on. What I have right here is that an eight ounce cup of coffee would have around four hundred and seventy two milligrams of caffeine, which is still un unworldly. For eight ounce. For eight ounces. Okay, yes. so so a sixteen ounce. Now that I mean they have different blends, so maybe I was looking at like their maximum. Yeah, a sixteen, but a 16 ounce, ounce would be, be nine hundred. 
Well, nine fifty. Or yeah. Well, I can tell you if it's yeah. four seventy two, you're looking at nine forty four, right? Right. I, I mean, that's literally like a, a Red Bull is like a hundred and sixty milligrams of caffeine. I mean, there's that's six times a Red Bull in one cup of coffee. I mean, a 16-ounce cup of coffee is a pretty big cup, but still. It says it's the strongest coffee in the world, and it says it comes with a warning, but if you buy it on Amazon, it does not. But it says the website has warnings that state that 200%, it has 200% more caffeine than most coffees. It has... That's out, outrageous. It has six times your... your or no, the daily... The, the recommended daily intake of caffeine is 600 milligrams. So it's like 90% your daily intake in your first 30 minutes of the day. I don't know. Uh, by the way, that Snickers coffee, if you drink it black, zero calories. Just wanted to let you know. Zero calories. I also okay. saw zero sugar, so I'm thinking, what's the point? See? See? Not so outrageous now, is it, Jake? <laughs> okay. Or or not so nutrageous, which yeah. is another flavor I'm sure they offer. Hey, right? there's probably like cream donut or something like that. Uh, we'll get you caught up on what happened overnight in the world of sports. And then, as we had mentioned, Taylor Tannenbaum coming up 8.30 this morning. Alex Golden, 9 o'clock this morning. It is a Wednesday. Good morning to you. Supposed to be sunny today, by the way, uh, for the first time in quite some time. So we have gotten out of the gray funk of feeling like we live in the Eastern Block. And gotten here in Indianapolis, a little sunshine this morning, hopefully. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Speaking of Ball State, tonight, 8-4, and four, Coach Lewis's, that's Michael Lewis's, Cardinals hosting Chicago State, 7 o'clock game up in Worthen Arena. Four-game win streak for Ball State, by the way. They are 4-0 and at home. Your chance to go up, if you're on the north side of Indy, about 50-minute drive up to Worthen Arena, great arena for Ball State, Chicago State, 7 o'clock tip tonight. Uh, in the NBA last night, Indiana 129-114 over the Atlanta Hawks. Pacers jumped out to a lead uh, midway through the first and really kind of never looked back. Buddy Heald was the catalyst, 6-7 for three-point range. He had 28 points. Uh, again, we talked about kind of a lightning-in-a-bottle guy that players seem to rally around. Rick Carlisle, your thoughts on Buddy Heald? Well, if you saw his daily routine, you'd, you'd have, a, you'd have a, a really good idea. I mean, he just, you know, he lives the, he lives for the game. He lives for... You know, running around and and getting you know getting open shots and and trying to knock them in. You know, I mean, we break up from halftime. He sprints out to the floor and starts feeling that ball and starts <laughs> shooting. You watch him during timeouts. He's grabbing the ball and he's, you know, he's just is fully engaged in in his craft all the time. And I just you know I look at him and you know Lloyd, Lloyd and I were talking about it during one of the timeouts. And we both just kind of looked at each other and simultaneously said, that guy's special, you know, and that's, you know, that's how we see him. Elsewhere in the league last night, L.A. 129-110 over the Magic. It was Washington, Boston, the Clippers, the Suns, the Thunder, Golden State and Denver also getting wins. The big story last night in the association, the Dallas Mavericks on a four-game win streak after Luka Doncic with 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, and a pretty remarkable putback off of his own miss of a free throw as time expired to force overtime, Mavericks with a five-point win over the New York Knickerbockers. College football, we had four bowl games yesterday. Buffalo beat Georgia Southern in the Camellia Bowl, 23-21. The Camellia? 
Camellias, yeah, that's what that's it a, says. That's a plant, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, the first responder bowl, Memphis over Utah State, 38-10. Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. East Carolina, whoo, 53-29 over Coastal Carolina. What, what bowl game was that? That was the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm guessing it took place in Birmingham. And then the Wisconsin Badgers topped Oklahoma State 24-17 in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Another foursome of games today. UCF against Duke in the Military Bowl. That starts at 2 o'clock. Kansas and Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl. Oregon, go Ducks, against North Carolina in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. That's a mouthful. And then Texas Tech Ole Miss is the nightcap in the Texas Bowl. Now that's in Texas, right? Yeah, that would be weird if it wasn't. Uh, other news in college football, by the way, Bethune-Cookman will have a new head coach. It is former University of Miami and Baltimore Ravens star Ed Reed. Ed Reed, who, by the way, was a roommate of Reggie Wayne's, one of my favorite stories ever, was when Reggie Wayne went to the NFL. Ed Reed had a year left of college. So Reggie Wayne had a pet snake, I think I told you guys this on the air once, named Law, and it was a boa constrictor. And Reggie Wayne told Ed Reed, like, look, I'm, I've got to go to Indianapolis and report for work. So let's just keep law here in our apartment. And at the end, of, you know, I'll come get him after my rookie year is complete. But you just, you know, take care of him. And Reggie Wayne said he was at practice one day. He was having a rough rookie year. It took him a while to get going. And then one day he got a text from Ed Reed that just simply said, law dead. And he said, what do you mean he's dead? He goes, I don't know. He just, he died. Reggie Wayne said, well, how'd he die? He's only like two years old or whatever. Have you been feeding him? Well, yeah, you told me I'm supposed to feed him like a mouse a month, right? Law, unfortunately. A little more a little more frequently than <laughs> Law, that? Law needed more caloric intake than your Snickers. Ed Reed's lucky provides. he didn't become lunch. <laughs> that's, that's exactly Law would have right. been hungry. It's like in something about Mary, right? Yeah. Isn't that what happened to yeah. one of the fellas? Uh, we come back. We'll take a look back again. Uh, more on Buddy Heald, but... Some interesting Colts perspectives I want to get to regarding an interesting text I got yesterday. We'll explain what I'm talking about, and we'll do it next. It's Kevin and Corey, 93.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, good morning to you. Hoping it looks like a, or hoping it turns out to be what looks to be a good-looking Wednesday because sun is in the forecast and things starting to warm up just a little bit. Everything feels okay after you've had sub-20 degree, you know, 20 degrees below zero temperatures. All of a sudden it gets 20 degrees. Like, ah, it's balmy out here. Helps when you inject your heart with some Death Wish coffee, too. (laughs) You know what I need? um, Sweating here. So I what I really need to get instead of and you need to get off that the the snickerdoodle whatever it is zero calories sir. I went to high school with a guy that runs Wood Warbler Coffee and it's hard for me to say Wood Warbler but that's the official coffee of the convention center. Uh-huh. Uh I didn't realize that a lot of coffee places it's bad for birds like the the way that coffee is made and it's a bird friendly coffee company but it's based right here in indiana which is kind of cool it's bad like the birds shouldn't drink coffee or they get into the grounds and they can like they eat the grounds and then their heart explodes no i think it has to do with like the netting and the way that they 
Oh. Something something with that. Interesting. But nonetheless, um, more importantly, obviously it's great coffee because anybody that comes to Indiana for a convention, that's what they get while they're at the convention. Can you buy it or is it? Yeah, it's, yeah you buy it up in uh, Noblesville. Oh, okay. Wood Warbler Coffee. Um, let me read you a text that I got yesterday from uh, Scott, who listens to the program. He said, I wanted to share my thoughts on Jim Ursay's decisions in terms of some of the things happening at the quarterback position. Now, Mark, hear this out because I actually thought to myself, this, this, this is relatively plausible, I think. He said, I wonder if in some ways the quarterbacking is the vindication that Jim Mercer feels of his decisions. And here's what I mean. If you look at who Frank Reich brought in, Ursay could be saying, first Reich sold me on Carson Wentz, then he sold me on Matt Ryan, and Nick Foles as his expensive backup. You're telling me that Foles looked better than Ellinger, who I told Reich to play for a couple of games? Could Ursay be thinking that the performance last night, meaning on Monday night, mm-hmm. proves Frank Reich was three times wrong, the crowd was chanting for Sam, which would have been vindicating what Ursay pushed for in the middle of the year. I mean, that's an interesting take for sure. I just don't – I think it is a fair question to ask, what does playing Nick Foles at this point do for you? What is the benefit? Zero. Nothing. Because Matt Ryan and Nick Foles are not part of the Colts' future. We know that. That's pretty black and white. That's pretty clear. So right now, you're starting, you know, you've just started two guys now with Jeff Saturday that have no future with the Colts going forward. Like, there's no way you can bring either of them back, I don't think, next year, unless Nick Foles is back on a very veteran, team friendly deal. But at that point, you better have it a rookie guy and maybe Sam Ellinger under center. But Sam Ellinger, even if you don't think he's going to be the future, why not see what you got in him? Is it possible? When they went to Sam Ellinger in the middle of the year, their claim was we're going to him because he gives us the best chance to win. So is it possible now that they're going with Nick Foles because he gives them the best chance to lose? Some would argue that Matt Ryan was giving you the best chance to lose. E- either I one. I, don't, I, I personally don't think that's the case, but I understand why people would. Are you think saying that. they're they're tanking without – Without they're trying to tank without making it so obvious. You would think that they have to know at this point organizationally that there's nothing to gain from them winning a game. And I get it. The players want to win. I get that. Yeah. I totally get it. And and in particular on the defensive side of the ball, they've got to be at their wits end. But, you know, the only thing that I can pinpoint, I think Scott raises a really interesting vantage point but to me it's more simply this and that is if you at this point I don't know that the Colts are looking at wins and losses I mean sure I guess you're looking at the draft board but I think you have to take a look at everybody on the offensive side of the ball which has been completely non-existent And you have to look on the offensive side of the ball and say, okay, what do we have and who do we have here? 
And so in that capacity, it would seem to me, Mark, that you would go with a veteran quarterback because the veteran quarterback is at least going to be able to see or read or anticipate things that a young rookie would not. And so therefore, it allows you to better assess how your offensive linemen and your receivers respond to or or play with a guy that seemingly has first instinctual right decision-making as opposed to a guy who's learning on the job and thus it makes it more challenging to figure out what the learning curve of everybody around him is. Kind of like the interim head coach they installed, learning on the job. Like That seems like they've kind of done that whole thing ass backwards. Like, you want to evaluate everybody, but then we've put in an interim coach who was on TV, you know, three weeks earlier, and, you know, now you're throwing a staff around him. You fired the offensive coordinator, you fired the head coach, and, oh, we need to evaluate guys. Well, how do you evaluate guys when the guys that are making the decisions are learning on the job? I mean, I don't – it's that kind of decision-making that makes this whole thing even more comical than it's been all season. Comical? Yeah. Because, I mean, the Colts are laughing. Like, let's be fair. The Colts are a laughing stock around the NFL. Like, I've listened I listen to Chicago Sports Radio. They are laughing at the Colts. They're like, they are a joke. Get them off of national TV, this and that. That's what the majority – that's usually, like, the reaction of when the Bears I don't are on think, prime time. Here's, here is even worse than that. I don't think the Colts are a laughing stock in the NFL. I don't. Oof. Hear me out. Chicago, Mark, first off – Chicago probably got pretty irked. You know, there's Chicago. India's Chicago's little brother, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, I mean, every there are a lot of people that grow up in India and then they move to Chicago. I mean, it's a great city, right? It's the hub of the region in which we live. Chicago is the Midwestern hub, um, and Chicago probably, like a lot of teams, got tired of hearing about the Colts for 15 straight years, and and there was a lot of resentment, I think, league wide, fans, media even owners of other NFL teams, I think truly resented the the gift of the Colts. I mean, it is so rare if you think about the fact that the Colts went from a franchise quarterback right into another franchise quarterback. I mean, there are, there are franchises out there that the New York Jets, the New York Jets haven't have never had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, yeah. right? I mean, Ken O'Brien, Richard Todd, okay, Browning Nagel, Mark Sanchez. The Sanchez, man. Don't forget him. (laughs) Zach Wilson. You know, and the Colts not only had it from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, people forget that Peyton Manning entered the league as John Elway was on his way out, and that was a guy they also drafted, right? I mean, the Denver Broncos have never won a Super Bowl with a quarterback that wasn't drafted by the Colts. In their franchise history, that right? is a wild stat, like wild thing. So I, I think that there are there's resentment from some franchises, cities, fans, whatever, of like Indianapolis was this team that just literally had the stroke of luck. It's like the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs, sure, they're a great run organization, yada yada. yada. Well, it helps that you had David Robinson. Then the one year that he gets hurt and you tank. Not literally, but you know, if your, your season goes in the drain mm-hmm. because David Robinson's hurt. Oh, we just won the lottery again. Now we get Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward of all time. Well, that certainly helps, right? So I think there's resentment about the Colts where people are enjoying watching them now because 
in any walk of life, Mark, when you see people that are going through struggles that you yourself have gone through, you're empathetic towards it, but at the same time, you're like, hey, I, you know, I made my way out of this, you know, so you can as well. But yeah, I mean, I got news for you. It's tough on, on the other side there, right? Oh, yeah. And, it's brutal. And so I think there are a lot of franchises that look at what the Colts are going through and they're like, yeah, welcome to the NFL, man. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for people that are 30 year old Colts fans that have never really known any different other than having Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and now toiling year after year after year of of chasing that high and it's like yeah well now you know how most franchises feel but I think that the league-wide perception of the Indianapolis Colts in December of 2022 is exactly what the Colts don't want and that's this they're just there they're just there yeah you know if you look at the NFC like I'm gonna look I'm gonna pull up the NFC you know, actually, the Colts' next opponent, the New York Giants, are a team that they've done a nice job coming back from last year, a really bad season. But for the most part, they're just there. I, you know, Saquon Barkley's an exciting player. Yeah, I don't think anybody thinks, even if they make the playoffs, that they're going to be making right. much noise. You know, it, the Carolina Panthers, they've kind of been interesting because Baker Mayfield was – was there for a minute and it didn't work out and they jettisoned him and now that the New Orleans Saints that's a prime example the New Orleans Saints are six and nine they took Jameis Winston he got hurt I who was the New Orleans Saints starting quarterback last week do you know is it still Andy Dalton aren't they still rolling him out they they go kind of by committee I think am I wrong in that I mean, Jameis, I don't think he's gotten much play even after recovering from the injury. Taysom, I think you're right. It is Andy Dalton. I, Taysom Hill, at one point, they remember like they, they had used him a couple of years ago. I, I just – so Dalton's at 2,400 yards for the year, right? They're just there. They're just there. Andy Dalton's a guy that's been around. He had success elsewhere, and, you know, he's competent. He's like – at this point, he's kind of like a Joe Flacco. Yeah. And that's – and I think that's what the Colts are seeing. If you ask, if you were to, to to listen to sports talk radio in New Orleans, unless they're talking about the Super Bowl they won, when they talk about Indianapolis, they're probably like, yeah. And they're like, now who's who's starting there this week? The other guys, are, is it Matt Ryan or is it Foles? I mean, I know they took Matt Ryan, but is he hurt? Well, I don't know. Okay. Okay, here we go. It's uh, Yeah, Nick Foles is getting the start. Okay. They're just there. It's not a place you want to be, right? Right, and I think, but I think also what what's doing the Colts no good is just the way that the t- decision making. I think it's the decisions that have also kind of made turned people off or have kind of made people like, what are they doing over there? Like the Jeff Saturday interim hire was bizarre for a lot of people outside looking in, even for people that are inside looking in. For us, we were like, what the heck is going on? He went from a weekly guest and all of a sudden the head coach. We have a lot of swing in this town. You know, I remember I, I was doing the weekly podcast that I do with Derek when that news broke and Derek said oh the Colts just named an interim head coach and it's a former player and I said Reggie Wayne he goes nope I said Cato June nope David Thornton nope and I'm like wait a minute because I'm going by people that are in on the staff on like in the organization right and then he said Jeff Saturday okay so, yes, unconventional for sure. Yeah, and I think just the, the Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, 
Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, you know, just the the carousel of quarterbacks as well. They're, they're kind of like, what is going on over there? And when, then when you were a kid and you would ride a carousel, which which one would you get on? Oh, the highest pony I could find. <laughs> That you, one goes to the sky, Dad. What, what about the sit-down tiger? Like the little, they usually had like two tigers that were a little bench. Did you ever do that? When oh you were- no, no, you had to. If you're getting on the carousel, ride it. That's for the people that I get motion sickness or whatever. Let's like, get off the ride, then, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Or for little kids that wanted, like, you know, now they can you can strap the kids on. Have you seen that where they have like a seatbelt that you put the you put them over their back or something? You strap well, don't them you in. usually stand next to the kid while they're riding? You're supposed to. Which you do. I still do. But, I mean, you're also, it's like an added safety feature. Do they still have carousel? Do they still oh, have yeah. the, one the Children's Museum? My yeah. Children's Museum, by the way, today uh, closed due to a pipe burst. What's that? Oh. My niece uh, actually rode the carousel over the summer. She's two years old at the Children's Museum. And believe it or not, with all the safety precautions just mentioned, parent next to her, strapped to the horse, three seconds in. Granted, she she's, she's two years old. No, but she started crying immediately. Wow. It immediately had to go to the tiger bench. Connor, Connor Prairie the had the uh, bench. She the was tiger. sitting next to Maglio Ordonez. That's like the penalty box in an NHL <laughs> game. To the Tiger box with you, sir. That's right. Uh, um, Connor Prairie had the carousel that we rode. That really, that, yeah, for their winter uh, winter celebration. You know, I've never been to. I, I was. I, I've. I have emceed events with the orchestra at Connor Prairie, but I've never actually been to Connor Prairie. You need to go. Connor Prairie is a good time, I, especially around the cool, holidays. They been. they do it right. Get all the candy apples you want. A uh, good performance last night for the Pacers at the Fieldhouse. We'll talk about that, and we'll revisit another topic in college basketball as well. Taylor Tannenbaum joins us bottom of the hour at 8.30. It's Kevin and Query on what – oh, my goodness, there's the sun on a Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I have good news, better news, and great news. Mark, which would you like first? Oh, give me the bad news. No, good news, better news, and great news. There's no bad news? I don't think there's any bad news. Oh, that's disappointing. That is the bad news. Yeah. The bad news is there's no bad news. All right, give me the great news then. Uh, the great news is the sun is starting to show itself. Boy, for the first yeah, time I thought you were going to have to get time. a padded room the way you banged on the glass. <laughs> you saw the You did. saw the sun. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I think you, you were kind of like a Tom Allen. You're, you, yelled, you yelled hark. Now, listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, okay, pal? <laughs> you literally yelled hark at the, and banged on the I glass. Did. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's actually, like, orange in the sky. That's the most energy I've seen you have before 8 o'clock. Listen, I... I do not do well with overcast skies. I, I'm fine with it, like, for a little bit. And I love my favorite city in the United States, aside from New York, which there's, I don't see how you could go to New York and not have it be your It's the greatest city in the world. But I love Seattle. I absolutely love Seattle. But I couldn't live there because – or I could in the summer. But, man, the gray skies would absolutely zap me. Yeah. Just my energy. But so the great news is the sun is out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good news today is that it's Wednesday, a hump day. So we are after this halfway through the week, right? Uh, And the better news is no cars on the canal today. Not yet. It's early. It's only 8 o'clock. Well, it's thawed out. Sun goes down. Watch out, folks. Let's hope 
that there are none on the canal. Good morning to you. That is Mark Dykton. My name is Jake Query. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Imagine if, you were a, imagine if you were a fish in that canal and a tire comes through. I've always wondered this. I've always wondered this. When the water gets like 90% frozen, where do the fish go? Farther down. But what if it's all the way frozen? Can it get all the way frozen? I, I would. I mean, why couldn't it? I don't know. If it's shallow water, if it's a shallow creek, and it's like in Buffalo right now, you think the the creeks aren't all frozen all the way through? Solid. I mean, it's like the geese. They they fly down to Mexico. Maybe the fish, you know, swim down. The, you're talking about places with flowing water, though, and flowing water doesn't usually freeze in its entirety. Yeah. Okay, then a small pond, a shallow pond. I mean, that's the, if a pond is pretty deep usually, and you know, for that to all freeze. Hence, I said shallow. I'm, then there's probably not a fish in it. You don't know that. I hate to be shutting this down, but I, I feel as though the answers kind of write themselves. I don't think that's the case. Am I fired? I'm just saying. I don't. I don't know. Do you work here? <laughs> I'm not pulling I mean, double duty. <laughs> for what it's worth, um, Pacers last night at the Fieldhouse. Winners 129-114 over the Atlanta Hawks. Buddy Heald was the catalyst with 28. He was 6 of 7 from three-point range. Um, there has been so much talk. We, we, we talked about this last hour, but I wanted to circle back to it. There's this assumption by many, many people, and I'm not saying I'm not one of them, that Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are the two trading blocks that the Pacers will dangle to try to establish or get themselves more quote-unquote assets. And I think at the beginning of the year, there was probably some truth to that in terms of that intrigue. But as the season has, has gotten underway here, and I've always felt that it takes 25 games to find out who you are. And in the Pacers' case, they're about 10 games past that. And I think they are ahead of schedule. I think that they are – it has come together for them at a faster rate than they thought. And, and at the beginning of the year, and I know I'm a broken record here, but I'm telling you, at the beginning of the season, the Pacers, for the first time ever that I've been around the team – now, Mark Monteith might, might feel differently or have different recollection, but for the first time that I can recall – at the beginning of the year, the Pacers held an informal gathering for media. Alex Golden, I think, was there. Tony East was there. Charlie Clifford was there. I was there. Greg Doyle was there. And it was like a reception. They had, like, finger foods and shrimp laid out and crackers and a cheese spread mm -hmm. and Diet Cokes. And Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard met both informally and then kind of formally on the record for Q&A for the season. And the one thing that they said to all of us, listen, we just realized that it, we could continue to make tweaks and changes and continue to be a seven seed. Or once we saw that we had a promising young player in Tyrese Halliburton, we could kind of scale it all the way down and and build from the bottom up and we are asking you guys to and gals to understand that it's going to be a while 
And everybody said, okay. And, of course, everyone's thinking they're going to try to enter the sweepstakes for Victor Webinyama, I believe is how you uh-huh. say his last name. But, um, you know, they're they're going to try to go through one more cycle of getting a top pick and just let these guys learn on the job. And they made no bone about the fact, listen, we might win 25 or 30 games. Kevin's okay. banking on that 30, by the he way. He is. And he's more than halfway there, right? Mm-hmm. And then the combination, I believe, of Tyrese Halliburton playing really well as they and, and they were very curious to see how others would feed off of him. But I think the Pacers know that part of the reason why it came together for them faster than they assumed is because of the not only the maturity but the molding of the game, the way that they play, and intermixing of Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. And Aaron Neesmith and Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhard and Chris Duarte, who are all young players. Duarte, I realize, is a little bit older, but who are all young in terms of their NBA career players. I think that they realize that what they've seen is that those guys can play and compete with one another, but the stick of it all or the thing, the glue of it all that is keeping all of those guys playing well cohesively with one another are Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Yeah. And so, Mark, I don't know that trading Miles Turner and Buddy Heald at this point is on the forefront of conversation like it might have been. And I heard there were other franchises that had interest in those guys. I never necessarily heard Indiana say they had interest in moving them. No. I mean, you always heard, oh, the, the Pacers and Lakers are going to make a trade. Why? Like Because the Pacers were going to take on Russell Westbrook's contract. That made no sense to me when it first came up. It definitely doesn't make sense to me now. But, yeah, I think even a month ago, like right around Thanksgiving, and so we we're still hearing, oh, it's only a matter of time before they trade Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. It's only a matter of time. And now you've kind of su- seen that they've struck, strung some wins together. They're above 500. They're currently in the playoff race. It's very early, obviously. But you're seeing that, hey, they have some cohesion here. Maybe don't mess up with a good thing. Maybe these guys need the veteran leadership. Because if you trade those guys, you know, not only are you kind of throwing in the towel for the season and you might hamper some development that you would get, but you're also kind of, you know, kind of shunning the team in general if you get rid of those two guys that maybe are the glue of the team. Where all of a sudden, hey, now Ben McMathern, now Tyrese Halbert, and you have to take more on a leadership role because these two guys aren't here. And that could, maybe they aren't up to the task yet. Maybe keep Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, let them keep going, see what can happen. I mean, I've been on the Buddy Heald train for a while. I've always liked him. I like what he's done so far. I mean, I don't think you win that game last night if you don't have Buddy Heald and his contributions. So. If you watch, I mentioned this earlier, if you watch the Pacers and you watch other NBA games, other NBA teams, mm-hmm. the, this is not a legitimate, like, you know, fact stat, but it just it has a feel. It feels like the Pacers lead the league in number of players that rush to the aid of a player knocked to the floor and the amount of time it takes them to get there. And more often than not, I watched last night. There was a play where the Pacers were, Buddy Heald was in the backcourt. 
and I believe it was Tyrese Halliburton went to the rack and got fouled and it and he missed Atlanta got the rebound and Buddy Hill was retreating in transition defense and basically things came to a stop because there was a foul called or something and Halliburton was down not down and out but I mean you know he was slow to get up and Buddy Heald was like in the opposite corner of the floor and sprinted, sprinted down to meet with like Aaron Neesmith and yeah, it might have been Nimhard to 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 lift Halliburton back up off the floor. And I mean, he would have done that. In a, little things like that go a long way, Mark. Yeah, they do. It shows that there's team chemistry. It shows that they get along with each other. You don't see one guy kind of like, oh, you get him this time or whatever. It's it's nice to see. The other thing that I opened with this morning that I wanted to circle back to, and Taylor Tannenbaum is going to join us, by the way, about 18 minutes from now. Um, It's not a mea culpa, but it was an epiphany that I had on the way in. The number one team in college basketball, the number one team in the country, and one of, I believe, only five unbeatens left, is Purdue. And I think we've done Purdue fans a disservice. Not just me, not just you, not just Kevin, but the the market in general. I have always said that the reason why, and I hope that Purdue fans understand this, but to circle back to it, the reason why Purdue gets less coverage than Indiana, the reason why the the local newspaper has a beat writer for Indiana and not a a, a star paid beat writer designated from for Purdue, etc., is because. Indiana, the name of the school, is the name of the state we live in, and so therefore there's a higher percentage of fan base for Indiana that has no affiliation with the school than there would be for Purdue amongst people that have no affiliation with Purdue. More often than not, if you are a Purdue fan, it's because you have a direct familial or or personal connection with the university, right? And in addition to that, Purdue has very specified degrees that are amongst the best in the country in engineering in particular and different sciences that then shotgun their graduates all across the country, whereas Indiana's more in a liberal arts standpoint are going to stay within central Indiana. So you have a higher alumni base as well and supply and demand. If fans of said schools make up the majority of your readers, listeners, whatever else. You have to cater to their wants. That's why Indiana gets more coverage than Purdue. And this year we have done Purdue a disservice because Purdue is number one in the country. They're unbeaten. They have as impressive a resume as anybody in college basketball. And it is an indirect compliment and kudos to Matt Painter that Purdue is number one. And yet it's like we expect it, Mark. They lost... Trevion Williams is a really good player. Jaden Ivey was a lottery pick. They lost both of them, and they come back, and they're better than last year. Yeah, everybody we, thought it was a transition year. Right. Yeah, and they rattled off wins over Gonzaga and, and Duke back-to-back games. And everybody's like, oh, ho-hum, no big deal. It's like, what? So, yeah, number one for a reason. They're, they've looked great so far, and they haven't missed a step, which is shocking considering who they lost in the offseason. I just think... It is a credit to Matt Painter that he has built a program now that has a stability and a consistency about it that has led us to to just assume that this is where they would be. Like it's like, oh yeah, Purdue's number one. What? I, I mean, why are we not? 
why are we not saying on a regular basis, like, you know, I mean, in 1993, Indiana was number one with Calvert Chaney and Greg Graham and Damon Bailey and Alan Henderson and Brian Evans and Pat Graham and Todd Lear. I can name their whole lineup. I can tell you what games they won. I can tell you, you know, they went to Penn State and they they almost lost and it was Brian Evans had to hit a shot with eight and a half seconds to go in overtime and then Damon Bailey. I mean, because they were number one, I remember everything about it. I don't know if it's – and then Purdue is number one in a remarkable accomplishment and we're just like, yeah, okay. Which is a kudos to Matt Painter because it's like, yeah, that's what he does, right? Yeah. No one's surprised. It's not catching one, anyone off guard. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's not a surprise, even though everybody's writing it off, you know, to begin with. Uh, David joins us. Been waiting patiently, I think, on the Colts conversation. What's up, David? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, guys. How you doing? It's your favorite caller, Dave. Hey, um, I think we just Now, that's really- presumptuous, Dave. Do you know for a fact you, that you are my favorite caller? Yeah, because you told me to tell you next time I call in. That's true. I think you do pat him on the back quite a bit. You are back. Yeah, that's right. You're part of the PBR party, right? Yes, sir. Hell yeah. I like that. I like the energy, Dave. So you are correct. So my apologies. I take it back, Mia Culpa. It was not presumptuous. It was factual. You're good. Hey, um, I just think we've been really spoiled. In the 80s, we had some great racing. Then when Colts came into town in the 90s, had some phenomenal basketball with IU and um and the Pacers and then in uh, '98 the Sheriff came into town and started that up. Then now we just got nobody going on ever since 2019-20. Sports has kind of been like blah. You know what I mean? We we got that team up in West Lafayette. I can't mention because I'm a big IU fan, but sports is blah right now. You know what I mean? But you got a hey, David. You got to give some credit to Purdue, right? Oh, I give them a lot of credit, but I just can't mention their name because Bobby Knight and Jesus Christ is right neck to neck in my household. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. David, who, okay. whose call did you just ignore while you were talking to us? Uh, my wife. Oh, boy. important right now. You're going to be in trouble, David. I <laughs> know. Uh, she'll be all right. She'll call back about five minutes. <laughs> Fair Are enough. you alive? Yeah, I was calling sports radio. David, I have said before, and, and yeah. how old a guy are you? You're about my age, right? Yeah, I'm about 42, 43. Okay, 42 so and a half. well, I'm glad that, that that you think that's about my age. Um, <laughs> Do you bang on the glass when the sun comes out? <laughs> Always. Uh, yeah. See, David's David knows what's up, man. He knows what's up. Listen, in my opinion, the greatest sports year in this town, and this is going back a little bit, but he's right. The greatest sports year in this city of my lifetime was 1987. Marion won their third straight state title. The Pan Am Games were here. The Colts traded for Eric Dickerson, which was the first superstar to play here. The Pacers drafted Reggie Miller. Um, Al Unser Sr. won his fourth Indianapolis 500, which was a huge, huge accomplishment and event nationwide. You know, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, a second four-time winner. Um, Indiana won the national championship. Ernie Jones was playing for Indiana football, who, you know, had defeated – Michigan and Ohio State in the same season. Rod Woodson had just been drafted out of Purdue, the Fort Wayne native that went on into the NFL in Pittsburgh and made a splash immediately. Tim Brown won the Heisman Trophy. Notre Dame was on their way to later winning a national championship. And I don't know in that era that we understood how great we had it. He's right. He's right. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, every, literally everything that we hang our hat on, the Indianapolis Indians, by the way, had won, won the second of of what I think was four straight American Association championships. Like the Indiana, the Indianapolis Ice, I believe that year won the, the Turner Cup. I don't know that we knew how good we had it. 
And now, you know, we're in transitional periods for the franchises. It is fascinating to me that it was thought that this was going to be the year that the Colts were going to carry the city and the Pacers were going to be in transition. And the Colts are in a total transition. And I looked last night and Mark, that place was packed. Yeah, they said the biggest crowd of the year. It was packed. You think that had anything to do with Trey Young or that the fact that it was, you know, everybody's kind of kicking work this week? I, so. I think it's the latter, right? Yeah. I mean, don't – I'd like to know – as a matter of fact, I always do these polls. If people want to text me, or you can tweet me, at Jake Query, or you can text me at 317-523-9288. But I want to know if people are working today and if they're working this week. It Doesn't it kind of feel like – like here. Oh, no one's here in the building. Like people are kind of working from home, right? 523-9288. But I'd like to know if it, where people are listening from if they're on their way to work. Like David, clearly he wasn't at home because his wife was calling him. What was yeah. his wife calling him for at 820? I don't know. Would that be of concern to you? Did you go to the grocery store? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if your wife's calling at 820... Did you close the garage? Because I, mean, I didn't. Wouldn't there? Wouldn't that be of concern? Like something's up? He was on hold with us. I mean, he was worth waiting for, I guess. How did you know that he was getting another call? You didn't hear you it? You no. could hear a doot, doot. That's oh, did like, you really? Yeah, you could hear it. Yeah. It must have been the left ear because I don't have it in stereo with these headsets. Oh, I don't know what you're doing then. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I heard the call waiting coming in, like call or incoming call. So I heard it and I was like, I wonder who's, who he's ignoring. And it's his wife, which that's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if that pays off for uh, him. Somebody said, hey, Jake, it was Christmas gift season. That's the only reason, for example, people were at the Colts game. I said, can you imagine? Yeah, that had I to be. I feel bad. I really do feel bad for the folks that, like in September, bought two tickets for the Colts Chargers Monday night game. And thought like, oh my gosh, this will be the perfect gift for like, day after you know, Christmas. Day after, I mean, they're gonna be jacked. Think about how much those tickets were. Yeah. And then by the time, and so you're so excited, right? Oh my gosh, like, did I tell you what I got? You know, Albert for Christmas. Check your stocking, Albert. And then, <laughs> literally by like, and it came, the deterioration was quick. Oh yeah. So all of a sudden by Thanksgiving, you're like, oh my gosh, how and. Albert's been talking for a month about how he's done with this team. He's not going to watch him anymore. He's totally over it. Albert's the biggest Colts fan I know, and like you can't even mention the Colts without him getting angry. And how am I going to tell him that he's got tickets for the game? <laughs> and I paid good money for them. <laughs> I paid good money back in September. That's like I saw a video because the, the, the parents that pranked the kids on Christmas, I'm always like, ah, that's dirty pool. But it was a, a, a dad had put a, a PlayStation 5 box under the Christmas tree, and the two sons went crazy. And they started ripping the box open, and it was like a PS4 or something. And the kid looked at it, and he threw it. And the dad's like, what are you doing? I've seen. I and mean, I'm like, well, you kind of asked for it, man. Like, what are you doing to that kid? Haven't like, you ever seen the videos, though, of the spoiled kids that open the thing? And like, what? It? This is NBA 2K. I want it. Yeah, and you're like, okay, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's where that's that, where that's like me. if someone got the Colts Chargers tickets. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. The hell am I supposed to do with this, Dad? Uh, time for a morning check down, by the way. Last night at the Fieldhouse, Pacers 129-114 of the Atlanta Hawks. Star of the game. Although, you know what? O'Shea Brissett played really well for them off the bench. Tyrese Halliburton had 23, but Buddy Heal got off to a quick start. He had 28 points. He was 6 of 7 from three-point range. Rick Carlisle, your thoughts on Buddy Heald? 
Well, if you saw his daily routine, you'd, you'd have a you'd have a be, a really good idea. I mean, he just, you know, he lives the, he lives for the game. He lives for, you know, running around and and getting you know getting open shots and and trying to knock them in. You know, I mean, we break up from halftime. He sprints out to the floor and starts feeling that ball and starts <laughs> shooting. You watch him during timeouts. He's grabbing the ball and he's, you know, he just is fully engaged in in his craft all the time and I just you know I look at him and you know Lloyd, Lloyd and I were talking about it during one of the timeouts and we both just kind of looked at each other and simultaneously said that guy's special you know and that's you know that's how we see him played special last night no question about it other winners in the association Lakers Wizards Celtics Clippers Suns Thunder Warriors and Nuggets but the big story was in Dallas Luka Doncic 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Mavs have won four straight. Let me say that again. Luka Doncic, 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Perhaps nothing more impressive than when the game was on the line, he intentionally missed a free throw down two, got the putback, put it in at the buzzer to force overtime. Mavs beat the Knicks by five. That dance was something special, too. <laughs> well, it was that. NFL, we're waiting for uh, week four, week. What is we week, week 16, week 17? Week 17 now is going to kick off week Cowboys Titans on Thursday night. That should be an interesting one. There's some playoff implications with both of those teams. Uh, some interesting news, though. The Commanders going back to Carson Wentz to start at quarterback against the Browns this weekend. So that'll be interesting. And then the J.J. Uh, Watt announcing that he will retire at the end of the season. He's only 33 years old. Spent most of his time with the Texans. He's been with the Cardinals. Now they are off to a horrible Spent most horrible of his time season. on IR, right? Yeah, he had a rough season, but 33 years old, he's going to hang it up at the end of the season. That was the one that was making waves uh, throughout the NFL this this week, yesterday. Uh, college basketball last night, Notre Dame, 59-43. Too bad Kevin's not here to celebrate his Irish getting a win. They are now 8-5. and five. They snap a three-game skid. Ball State tonight at 7 o'clock hosting Chicago State. That game at Worthen Arena. Cards come in at 8-4. and four. Michael Lewis's group has won four straight. Bowl game winners yesterday in college football. Buffalo, Memphis, East Carolina, and Wisconsin all won their respective bowl games tonight. UCF against Duke, Kansas against Arkansas, Oregon takes on North Carolina, and Texas Tech takes on Ole Miss. So that's your bowl schedule. Uh, when we come back, yesterday it was we were doing the show, and all of a sudden I said, Taylor Tannenbaum just sent an interesting tweet. The former WTHR anchor reporter, friend of the show, she is now in Charlotte with the ACC Network. I wanted her to expand a little bit on her opinions or observations regarding Chris Ballard and his relationship with the Colts locker room from Taylor's time here in Indianapolis. That conversation will be next. It's Kevin and Query here. Mark Dykton in for Kevin on a Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Half past eight. By the way, I sounded really like nasally stopped up in those promos. Do I always sound that nasally stopped up? I'm not stopped up. Not usually. But the sun wasn't out. Now, now it is, and you're, you've gone wild. I'm telling you. It's a huge difference for me. Like, I, I mean, I love Indiana. 
I mean, you had an out of body experience that I witnessed when you saw the sun. It was I haven't seen it, was it like pretty wild. I was I'm like Andy Dufresne. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Got out of solitary in 1967. Yeah, I, I, Andy Dufresne was a friend of mine. I was like, holy cow, man. Um, yesterday we were doing the show. As a matter of fact, 8:45, so almost exactly 24 hours ago, when Bob Kravitz sent a tweet that said, "Kravitz Ballard hasn't earned a seventh season with the Colts, but he's getting it." Probably. And our friend Taylor Tannebaum, a friend of the program, who was with WTHR for the last few seasons and is now the host of ACCPM on the ACC Network, responded to that by saying, fractured relationships with so many key players, how can he possibly be kept? And uh, Taylor and I, at least from my standpoint, Taylor and I are friends, so I reached out to her and said, hey, you know what, do you want to come on the show just to hang out anyway? And uh, and then I had to pay her, and she said, sure. And so she joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. First off, Taylor, good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, guys. I miss you terribly, first and foremost. Good morning. Hi, Indianapolis. Um, I also never thought that when I responded to Bob's tweet, it would just, you know, cause such a stir. But here I am. On a, is it Wednesday? This is a weird week of the year that nobody knows what day it is. It is Wednesday, Wednesday right? Yes. No, you are correct. <laughs> but good morning. And um, um, I would consider us friends too, Jay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, I don't know if you heard uh, the excitement before we get to it, Taylor, since you've left Indianapolis. Uh, yesterday, some lady went driving down the canal. I saw that. Yeah. She's, um, she's okay, the, I think. The video is wild. <laughs> it is a little. She said her GPS led her there, and I thought, well, that – that actually somewhat makes sense because it was so frozen over. Maybe if you weren't from here, you wouldn't realize that you were not on a road. But then I realized that you had to drive down like a 30-foot hill to get to it. Yeah, yeah. That's not easy access. Not to mention, your tires should be sliding on ice. So I'm, you know. Yeah, I mean, pretty good traction, really. It was fairly I think, impressive. I think I read she was not all there. So that makes a little more sense. Alcohol might have been a factor. Uh, okay, Taylor. Speaking of gaining traction, you know, your tweet did a little of that. And and I want to make sure that people understand during your time, you were at WTHR for how long exactly? Um, Four years. Okay. So during that time, you developed, you know, you were, I thought, very, um, you had very professional and very good contacts and relationships within the organization, not just with players, but I think... Um, your professionalism was respected that allowed you to probably get some information and access. So that's why I took your tweet, not to like blow it up more than it was, but I <laughs> took it as very credible. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to expand on it. Well, I appreciate that. I know Kevin Bowen, but with that being said, um, you know, I've had conversations with people and it's not just been this week or this month. It's been a little bit over time. And I would say since that loss, last year the Raiders and Jacksonville things have kind of started to deteriorate and I don't think that's news to anybody who who is following the Colts or is a fan of the Colts or it, you know is, is media covering the Colts uh, that, that's just the fact of the matter so when I said that I've been I've been speaking to people that the moral of the story is this the way the season ended last year the the four quarterbacks and four multiple years uh, the, the revolving door there, there's frustration. There's real, real frustration. Um, I wouldn't say the locker room's broken because I think the guys still love each other. I just think that I'm not so sure that things can be done to salvage certain relationships in that locker room with the people up above. Um, 
I didn't think this was anything people didn't already know, but I would say, you know, there's a lack of trust. Uh, you know, we all have bosses sometimes that we work for that it gets to a point where there's, it boils over and it's frustration and you just don't necessarily get along with that person anymore or believe everything that's coming out of their mouth or it's just time for a breakup. And that's why I said that is because there are some key players in that locker room. Let me tread lightly. Who, who are frustrated, uh, who don't necessarily trust what's going on in there and would maybe rather say, I got to go. And that's why I find it, I, I, let me preface this by saying I like Chris and Kristen Ballard. I think what they've done in the community is great. I I would never want to see anyone lose their job. It's just gotten to a point uh, with conversations that I've had that I'm not sure it's fixable. And to to continue, you know, insanity is the same thing, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I'm not sure that it's great for the franchise to continue on the same path. Do you think... So let me begin by asking this, Taylor. Taylor Tannenbaum is our guest with the ACC Network, formerly of WTHR. Um, do you believe that the the fracture that you're talking about or the lack of trust, does that come from players just simply not seeing results in the approach, or does it come from the way that they believe that they were spoken to or addressed in a disrespectful fashion? No, I don't think disrespectful. That is not the vibe I ever got. It's frustration in the fact that this has been years. Look, I know the the retirement of Andrew Luck really screwed things up, but it has been years now. And the communication, whatever has been communicated between the two, uh, is a little bit off. Um, just like a lack of trust. is what The word that I've heard is trust. There's a lack of trust. And whether that be, you know, there's other key players I'm sure that have great relationships with him but the ones that i've spoken to are frustrated um especially with the top down and you know the frank Reich thing is one situation i think everyone has their own opinion on that never really got into that but from the top down there's frustration that hey i I don't know that i necessarily even want to be here anymore because they feel like there's a lack of trust the bridge of trust i wouldn't say that it's a disrespectful thing it's just the way things have panned out over the last several years Taylor, it's Mark Dykton. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I think this is our first interaction. But um, on Monday Night Countdown, Jim Ursay was quoted as saying that Chris Ballard will be the GM in 2023. So why do you think Ursay is seemingly set on bringing Ballard back despite these fractured relationships? I'm sure he's had to have heard at least whispers that there might be some you know, disagreements with uh, players on the team. So why, why be so dead set on bringing Chris back, do you think? Uh, because it's familiar, because you can say one thing now and obviously it can change in the future. And with everything else being so unstable, that's the one thing you got right. And I do think um, if you have a guy in place already and you're the big boss uh, and you're still able to do what you want to do as the big boss, as Jim Irsay is, as the owner of the team, why would you change that? You know, you do have some creative control in that sense. I think he obviously has a say in a lot of things that happen. So I'm not so sure he wants to change that. And I do think Chris is a good guy. I think at the core of it, I think that he got the short end of the stick with what happened in 2000 and what was it? 19 now. I don't remember what year it was 2019. Um, It's just been years now since that has happened. And it just feels like it's a hamster wheel. I I would say it's it's just because, you know, as, as the boss and the owner, um, 
still having creative control with with a guy like Chris Ballard in place, you don't necessarily want to change that. Taylor, I feel like a couple of things here that you touched on there. Taylor Tannenbaum is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I, I, I do feel like for Jim Irsay, having a general manager in place that allows for Jim Irsay to still – he's the owner. He can do as he pleases. I, I mean, Absolutely. credit to him there, right? Mm-hmm. But Jim Irsay was a – I have – I have said this theory probably daily for a couple of months now. Jim Mersey was a general man. As a matter of fact, the last time that the Colts, um, what did I read a stat in terms of their offensive ineptitude, the last time that they went four straight games without, a, I can't remember what the stat was, but it was 1993 was the last time they were mm. offensively this inept. 1993 was the last time Jim Mersey was the general manager. He was the GM of the team at that time. They right. did not have a great run when he was the GM and I feel like that Jim Mercer has always, understandably so, wanted to kind of make good on that. And so, therefore, it's important for him to have a general manager that he can usurp from time to time with his influence as opposed to someone like a Bill Polian that he, you know, kind of sat back and let run the show and that he enjoys being able to have that interaction and that influence. Is that kind of on par with what you're saying? I agree with that. And you're seeing a lot of the statements that are being made. Um, You know, I'm obviously not there anymore, so I keep up as best as I can. But it's very clear he's had a strong hand in every decision that's been made, as he should. He's the owner, but uh, stronger maybe than than most you would necessarily see. So I would assume, Taylor, Taylor Tannenbaum, our guest, you're down in Charlotte now with the ACC Network. But safe to say that because of your time here, four years here, you left here when? At the beginning of the football season? Yeah, right in the middle of, you know, towards the end of training camp. So um, it's been a wild ride watching it from the outside looking in, I'll say that. But you still maintained the kind of professional context and relationships where that allow. In other words, I want people, I want to make clear to people that this isn't you going off something that somebody said to you in July. I mean, you still have, no. you know, and you still are working in a football capacity. Absolutely. You know, I talk to people still from inside the organization. I have conversations. I ask questions, too, because, you know, for me, I'm not there anymore. So it's so hard to gauge it when you're not in the locker room uh, and you're not hanging out in the media room and hearing what people are talking about and in the community. So, yes, these are conversations I've had over the last couple of months as it's unraveled um, recently here. And I want to reiterate, you know, this isn't every key player. I'm not saying every key player on this team wants wants out and wants to go. What I'm saying is there are relationships with a general manager that when I say fractured, I mean there's a lack of trust. There's a frustration level that to my knowledge has boiled over a bit, and it's going to be hard to patch those up, which is my surprise that you continue when you're going to fire the head coach and you're going to, you know, move people around him and you're going to do all of these other things, that to me is a a confusing thing to stick with, knowing he's the decision maker. There are contracts to be had. There are conversations to be had that may not go the right direction because of how things have panned out over the last few months. So now you've, now you've seen this team from a bit of a distance this year. What's been the biggest head scratcher for you this season? The offensive line? I guess you would say because that is not a conversation we were having heading into the season. It was one of the best in, in the league, the highest paid offensive line. You have all pros on, you know, on the line. And, um, you know, I know the left tackle conversation was real. It was, it was very real, but I don't think we expected it to be this bad. 
Uh, you expect to have at least maybe some options. They obviously aren't Anthony Costanzo, but uh, they're options. And they're certainly better than Fisher, as, as we thought. Um, and then the quarterback play, because to be fair, I was one of the people who was saying during camp, wow, he has so much control of this offense, Matt Ryan. There's just a different level of confidence. You can see it. The ball comes out quicker. Um, it's so accurate. And it was. It was during camp. We were watching with our own two eyes. It's not like we were turned around blindfolded, just you know, going off of, of, of sound. We were watching it with our own two eyes. So that, to me, is wild. I do think it's a byproduct of what's happening up front. Uh, but, but certainly those two things, I think the defense has been outstanding, um, even without Shaq. Um, I know, you know, there's a couple of guys hurt right now, but, but they're doing the best that they, they possibly can, I think, with the situation that they have. But up front would be the most confusing thing to me. I just don't know how that fall off happens. In your opinion, should Jeff Saturday be a candidate for long-term head coach at the end of the season? Hey, I mean, sure. Look, I, you know, I have spoken to some people who actually really like being in the locker room with him because he's a locker room dude. I don't think that's any surprise. He, he's a good guy who, who knows what he's still young. He knows what it's like to be a player. So I don't think that's surprising. At this point, you should put every card on the table, right? If all chips are going to be in, every card should be on yes. the table too. All chips um, are in. We know that. All chips are going to be in. Every card should be on the table, too. And, uh, you know, this sample size shouldn't necessarily – he inherited something that was already broken. So I don't know that's necessarily a good sample size to, to base him off of. Now, how the culture changes internally, I think, is important, too, you know, to, to base him off of. You're going to see how he gets guys to play, period, whether it's scheme or not. How, how people respond to him is an important thing to look at, and I obviously don't see that. Um, from day to day so sure why not consider him you should have every option on the table Taylor lastly since you you know you were born and raised in South Florida yeah you you worked in Alabama Um, then you came to Indianapolis spent four years here you're now in Charlotte at the ACC network so I want your perspective on this aside from of course the wonderful people Tell me the thing about Indianapolis Indiana that while you were living here you didn't necessarily fully appreciate that now that you're gone, you want to let the people of Indianapolis know that they need to take advantage of? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the biggest change for me is because I'm not working in local TV anymore. I'm more of at a network level now that I don't have that sense of community. I would just say these small, these quaintness of Indianapolis still being a big city is something I definitely took for granted just in general like everybody knows each other even though it's still a big city and and truly it is that Hoosier hospitality it's just different and I say it all the time I never thought I'd feel like that but I do miss Indianapolis and I miss the people there so really just the quaintness of it being a big small you know a small big city and uh and just the community of it, you don't really find community like that everywhere. Even though I've been here really only for four or five months, uh, it's just a, a very different vibe. You know, everyone's a transplant. There in Indy, you have some transplants, but there's still a lot of home cooking, home feel to it. So that's certainly what I do miss. And I do want the Colts to be good, for the record. I'm, you know, I watch every Sunday, and I watch Monday night, and come on. Hey, is the kid from Wake Forest, the quarterback that's transferring, going to go to Notre Dame? Uh, that is rumor on the street. Pete Thamel reporting that for ESPN. Uh, if I were to put my money on it, I would say that's a great that's a great get and a uh, a likely destination. So it seems. 
And the people in South Bend and Notre Dame fans will absolutely love, love Sam Hartman. He is, he is the cream of the crop. He works his tail off. Um, and, and he's, I mean, his numbers speak for itself. He's a leading passer in ACC history when it comes to touchdowns thrown, um, total yards, uh, passing Phillip Rivers for a couple of those, Taj Boyd. Uh, so some great. So they're, they're getting a good one in South Bend if that does come to fruition, but that's what it's looking like. Taylor, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we miss you here, but I appreciate the perspective and the insights and uh, give Mitch a pat for us. He, that's Taylor's I, dog, by the way. Who misses you so much. And <laughs> uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. And uh, go Colts, go Pacers, right? All right. Go well, you Purdue, all the good stuff, Butler. We'll, we'll tell him. <laughs> and Notre Dame, of course, as well. Taylor, appreciate it. Uh, Taylor Tannenbaum on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Again, uh, ACC Network, part of the ESPN family, and ACC PM where you can see her work. Alex Golden, uh, Alex Golden, easy for me to say, going to join us 13 minutes from now. Talk a little Pacers. It is Kevin and Query. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Kevin and Query on this Hump Day Wednesday. I'm Mark Dykton. In for Kevin Bone, who's doing the gritty on some beach in Florida. Jake Query along for the ride. Bang. The gritty. Oh, come on. You know what that is. You've seen Justin Jefferson do it like 10 times this okay, season. Okay, now I know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. No, that's what it's called. Yeah, the gritty. That sounds, uh, I don't know. Too cool for school? <laughs> no. I, I would, I mean, if, if, if the sun comes out tomorrow, I want to see you do the gritty. You might tear something but i'd oh, like to I, see you do it you saw me doing it earlier pretty much boy that was wild to see i wish the cameras were on to see that part that was crazy uh yeah just talked to taylor tannenbaum talked to little colts got a little insight there we've got alex golden coming up in a matter of minutes he's going to talk pacers as they beat the atlanta hawks last night i want to get some insight on buddy healed when we talk to alex in just a little bit uh any any takeaways from what taylor said um it's funny somebody last night Sent a tweet that was like, why would we believe anybody from WTHR? Like, they don't even do sports anymore. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's not necessarily accurate. But um, in my opinion, there are a number of people, actually, that are pretty plugged in in this town when it comes to covering the Colts. Kevin, as much as, if not more so than anybody, I mean, he worked there, for crying out loud. Um but she would be in the in the the upper quartile of upper quartiles in terms of having knowledge and relationships that would be accurate. So I, I think she's extremely credible in in what she was saying, and I think it was very easy to. I again, I, I think she made a really a really good point. I, it's, it has nothing to do with anything from a and I thought she was it was very good that she clarified look I'm not saying that Chris Ballard has been disrespectful or unlikable per se but simply more so the fact that players just at this point have seen the same thing over and over and are just ready for you know a new voice 
And that happens sometimes to, to really good people. Really good people that do a really good job. I mean, it happens in coaching. You know what Larry Bird say in coaching? That you need a new coach every five years because people's voice, you start to tune it out. I hope that's not the case with radio hosts. Oh, boy. We'd be in trouble if that's the case. I think it's it's for a longer conversation, but I do find it funny that the debacle that has been this Colts season was not good enough for Frank Reich to stick around, but it'd be good enough for Chris Ballard, even though he put his stamp on a lot of things, particularly yeah. the offensive line, the left tackle situation. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We trust uh, we we trust Matt Ryan and everything that go for a lot of decisions being made. And again, if Chris Ballard does come back in 2023, he's not just coming back for 2023. I don't believe because you're making another draft class decision. You're possibly with the most important position and po- probably picking the next franchise quarterback that you hope is the franchise quarterback of the team, but the next quarterback at a very high pick. And then you also got to make contract decisions. Jonathan Taylor coming up, so there are decisions coming up. That if Chris Ballard's sixth round, he's making long-term decisions for this franchise. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the thorn, I guess, or the feather in the cap of insult for a lot of the last year for people, and I'm going to side with Chris Ballard on this one. I will defend Chris Ballard here. I... I I think Chris Ballard made the right decision in not retaining, or well, retaining is the wrong word, and not re-signing T.Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. But it had to irk those that thought the Colts should have brought back T.Y. Hilton had to be irked to see that T.Y. Hilton, in his first game back after watching high school football for a year, goes out and records a reception that is longer than any that the Colts have had this year. Th- I'm that, sure that, it did. That could not have settled well, right? I think T.Y. played his cards right, though. Sat out most of the football season, wanted to watch his son play high school ball. Season ended. He's like, okay, maybe I'll get back out there, go play for a contender, and he lands with the Cowboys, and he's going to be a contributor for a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But I just, you know, the, the, when the narrative was, hey, listen, you know, T.Y. Hilton, we don't need to address the receiver position at all. I think they yeah. should have addressed receiver position. Yes. I, I just don't – T.Y. Hilton wasn't – so I'm going to defend Ballard in the fact of not going with T.Y. Hilton with it. Uh, but nonetheless, that had to sting because he heard yeah. so much about it. But right? what they would have – what what T.Y. Hilton would have been asked to do for the Colts as opposed to what he's going to be asked to do with the Cowboys is night and day because, I mean, he would have been carrying the load for this team – this season and what's what's truly been a a gut wrench season. Whereas the Cowboys, they got C.D. Lamb, they got Michael Gallup. He's like C.D. Lamb can play, man. Oh yeah, he, he's, the the workload is far less in Dallas than what it would have been in Indianapolis. Uh, hey Jake, do you think the lack of trust from players stops with Ballard, or does it go up to the owner? I, that part's and I don't mean this to sound snarky or like a jerk. That's irrelevant though. Owner ain't changing, right? Yeah. Owner ain't leaving. Owner can't fire himself. I do think they like the owner. I think Ursay's a well-liked and respected guy because I think they know that Ursay wants to win football games, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Alex Golden next. So Kevin Bowen will be out the rest of the week. He is enjoying his family time in Florida. Hope that you folks are enjoying some family time as well in this 
holiday season. Mark Dykton capably filling in. Sam Fritz running the big board for us. And Alex Golden now joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline, as he does periodically to talk about the blue and gold and the Indiana Pacers. And Alex, let's begin with this. Uh, was last night Buddy Heald's finest performance of the year thus far? I think it's got to be up there. Buddy's Buddy's played really awesome this season. So last night, seeing him get going like he did was was pretty special. You know, I was telling Mark this. It feels like to me with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, I'll put in the same category, but we'll focus on Buddy Heald for now because last night, 28, 6 and 7 from three point range, uh, you know, scored in lightning in a bottle type scoring, which is kind of what he does. But there has been so much talk about Buddy Heald being a trade piece, but it feels to me like that talk has been very one sided. Alex, I want you to correct me. I don't recall the Pacers necessarily ever saying that Buddy Heald was a piece they were dangling. It felt to me more like people were coming to the store to find out if Buddy Heald was available for sale. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think in the latest report from Shamp Sharania, it was uh, mentioned that teams have showed interest in Buddy Heald, but they didn't list any of the teams, and obviously, you know, it didn't say the Pacers were looking to trade him. So, I think with that, it is fair to say the Pacers value him and other teams are really valuing what he's doing with Indiana. I think he's kind of revived his NBA career here in Indiana, and teams are taking notice of that. So it's probably why there is a lot of interest. But, yeah, I haven't heard anything in terms of what the Pacers are thinking long term. But uh, I think it's kind of easy to read the tea leaves a little bit and see how many guards they have on the roster and kind of make an assumption that, hey, maybe he could be available because of the youth movement that they're they're wanting to take or that at least they've expressed they were going to take at the beginning of the season. Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast, joining us on Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Alex, I'm one of the guys who likes Buddy Heald a lot. I think he brings a lot around this team, not only leadership, but obviously he can score in bunches when he's on. Uh, he's one of the elder, sta- elder statesmen of the teams at 30 years old, but I think he's got plenty of run left. Is it crazy to think that they could hang on to him, or is uh, is that just me like talking talking crazy right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at this, and I, and I think if you're trying to look long term here, you know the starting shooting guard position is probably going to be Benedict Mather, and we've seen how awesome he's been his rookie season. He's had some downs recently over the past couple of weeks. You know, it's it's part of hitting that rookie wall, but I still think what you've seen from him so far, you have to be really intrigued. So. For me personally, I'm, I've got to think long-term with Buddy, and I'm not saying him and Matherin can't play together, but I do think that with how much Buddy likes to score, will that stunt the growth of Benedict Matherin? So in that regard, if you're looking at it from that perspective, it does kind of make sense to, to look to shop him, especially while he's playing so well, because I don't think his value is going to get much higher than it already is. But at the same time, if Buddy would be willing to accept a bench role moving forward once Matherin takes that starting position, I think that could be very beneficial for the Pacers to have a leader like that that can put buckets up, like Jake said, lightning in a bottle, off the bench and kind of be that, that steady guide off the bench as well. So I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I think long-term, you're wanting to see as much of Halliburton and Matherin moving forward as you can And as great as Buddy's been, I just think the ceiling is higher for what Matherin can become than what Buddy is right now. Yeah, I think if he accepted a bench roll, that'd be, I mean, that'd be 
bonuses yeah. for the Pacers and everything. Uh, my we, a listener brought it to our uh, mentioned it with the Buddy Heald talk. He said, "How much younger can we get on a roster that is that is so young <laughs> that if you do flip them for draft picks, I mean, you're getting younger again, and you're hoping to replace those points that he's bringing to the table." So is yeah. there some essence there that it's worth keeping around for not only the veteran aspect of it, but just the points that he's giving it, if, especially if he accepts a bench role? No, I mean, I think it makes sense to, to want to keep him around. Like, they've said nothing but great things about him. You listen to Sacramento fans, they couldn't stand the guy. He kind of requested a trade out there. It was just not a good marriage out there in Sacramento. But he's found a home here in Indiana. I think Rick Carlisle really likes him, and I think his voice – has uh, a lot of weight with what the Pacers decide to do moving forward. I just I just think about Buddy Hield and, and I think to myself, when we got this guy, a lot of people didn't expect him to be as valuable to the Pacers as he has been. And there's a, I, I think it's you can make a good case that we're 18 and 17 because of Buddy Hield's play this year. I mean, he's been fantastic for the majority of the, of the season. Even when he hasn't been the go-to guy, I always go back to that game in Golden State when we had a lot of starters out. He was playing with the young guys, and that was the Nimhard game. But when that game got close, that's when Buddy took over with hitting two big threes, and I think you need that. It's kind of similar to what the Rockets have done with Eric Gordon, their unwillingness to really part with him while everybody thought he was going to be traded the last two seasons. So I can see the Pacers hanging on to him for that. But, yeah, I, I really do like his fit potentially as a as a six-man because I think if he can accept that role, then the Pacers are in, in, they're in a good place moving forward. Alex Golden is our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alex, um, has Isaiah Jackson fallen out of rotation because of something that other players are doing or because of something he's not? Good question. I would say it's probably more the latter. I think I, I just think he's an okay rebounder. He doesn't really do anything besides dunk the basketball. We really haven't seen him try to stretch the floor. And with the way Carlisle likes to play, spreading the floor, Jalen Smith, while he's not been a great three-point shooter, he is a more competent three-point shooter than Isaiah Jackson, um, has given him the edge. And obviously Jalen Smith was brought here to, to be the starter. That's, how he, that's why he resigned was because of the opportunity to, to get that, uh, that playing time. And they've already kind of taken that starting position away from him because he's been struggling this year. But – you know, Isaiah Jackson, he's a he's a good defender, but he fouls a lot, which is something he needs to work on. We know that he's a great lob threat, and we know that he has pretty good hands in catching those lobs. And defensively, I mean, he's got upside too. I would love to see more of Isaiah Jackson with Jalen or with Miles just to allow him to play maybe some of the four because those guys can shoot, so you can at least have one guy in the dunker spot. But I just feel like right now, Neesmith has played great, and Brissett's played great, and because of their playing so well at the forward and going smaller, that's why Isaiah Jackson's out of the rotation. I think Carlisle has just realized that this team's best chances of winning so far right now has been playing smaller. Hey, Brissett gave him pretty good minutes last night, too. I mean, all of a sudden I looked yeah. up, and I'm like, wait a minute, who's got 14? Oh, O'Shea Brissett. And I love Alex yeah. guys that can score. I've always – you know, I had a conversation the other day with – somebody who who worked in the NBA for a long time and you know and this is the kind of stuff where when you talk to people you're like man you realize how nuanced sometimes things are but he said to me he said you know sometimes you need at least 40 percent of your scoring to come from guys that don't have any plays that orchestrate through them so their points are auxiliary 
and O'Shea Brissett is kind of that guy, right? I mean, maybe Rick Carlisle would disagree mm-hmm. with me, but I don't know that they're running specific sets for O'Shea Brissett. Just when the hot potato comes to him, if it's really, really hot, he kind of knows what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I, I think that O'Shea, since he's gotten here to Indiana, back when Bjorken was the coach and, and we brought him up from the G League, he's always been that guy. And that's kind of why fans, I think, were surprised that he wasn't getting playing time early in the season because he wasn't part of the rotation. Now, we know this is a deep roster, but he's played himself into the rotation. And once again, Rick Carlisle can't get enough of him. Last year, he closed as a starter. And I just love the way that he keeps himself engaged and involved because it's probably got to be tough going from ending the season as a starter to the next season not even being in the 10-man rotation. And I think O'Shea said has worked his butt off to get to the NBA to, to be a competent NBA player. Honestly, he's the only true wing the Pacers have right now at six foot seven. So it's one of those things where he needs to play because he allows him to be more versatile. And he just he just is that guy that's going to be able to muck things up a little bit. Uh, his shot has has fallen well for him. I think that was a concern coming into the league. Is not known as a great three point shooter, but he's proved that wrong. And you know, not afraid to put up a flashy dunk. And and I I just really like how he's played. And I'm surprised that they didn't come to uh, an extension agreement with him in the offseason because I really feel like he could have got him for cheap and had him on this team long-term. So I'm curious what their long-term plans are with him since he's an unrestricted free agent uh, this upcoming summer. But, yeah, I just, I've just i loved how he's fit in so far, and I think when, when O'Shea's on the floor, good things usually tend to happen. He's Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast, joining us on Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Alex, I feel like at the beginning of the season, and even as recently as a month ago, uh, we were talking about the possibility of both Miles Turner and Buddy Heald being dealt at the trade deadline. Now it seems like both might stay on the team, especially with the rumors that um, you know Miles Turner might be getting a contract extension. Do you think this team will still move one or both of them at the deadline, or if this team's in the playoff hunt, do you think they don't want to mess up with a good thing? Yeah, this is a really tough question, and and I know I talked with Jake about this on the on the podcast that we did for my for my blue and gold. The one he sang on, it was wonderful. My singing was phenomenal. (laughs) It it was, and and it was brought to you by Circuit City, where Ron Artest works. But uh, (laughs) thank you, thank you. you. How dare you? We're having a good Uh, conversation. I'm 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 using this to stall because honestly, it's a really it's a really tough question. I mean, I, I think the Pacers are way ahead of schedule in terms of what they expected and what they anticipated this year to be. So. That that kind of does change things, but at the same time, I don't think it necessarily should because if you do keep Miles Turner and extend him, and you have Jalen Smith, and you have Isaiah Jackson, you have Goga, Daniel Tice, you have way too many centers, you're going to have to make some moves. And I think the way they traded up to get Isaiah Jackson, it would be kind of silly to punt on him so early. And the way they went out to get Jalen Smith, you know, it's just really tough. It just feels like there's a crowded front court. And I'm always curious why certain things leak when they leak. I feel like the reason this information leaked about him potentially getting uh, or being in contract negotiations here with the Pacers or extension talks is because the trade deadline is getting closer, February 9th. We're not that far away from it, believe it or not. And I think this is a way to let the people know that are trying to trade for Miles Turner. Like, hey, the Pacers really value him. So it's going to take uh, – um, it's going to be a pretty penny to pay for, for Miles Turner. So I, I feel like they're a 500 team, I, I think – by the end of the season, they'll probably be close to that at this point. It's been 35 games, so you can kind of understand what this team is. But I think you really have to think long and hard about this. If Miles does want to be here, I have no problem with the extension. I think he's fitting pretty well here. 
while he's not been as great as he was in November, uh, December was he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. He's still playing well. I'm not saying he's not playing good, but he's not having the crazy numbers he was having in November, probably the best month of his career. But I just feel like if you're going to bring him back, what do you do with one of Jalen or Isaiah? I think you got to potentially look at moving one of them, which is crazy to say, but with Turner getting extended, there's just not going to be enough playing time for him. I think that does crowd that front court. And then with Buddy, I kind of already hit on that earlier. So I think there's a chance that one of them has moved. I would predict more likely Miles if he does not want to re-sign, that ex- or re-sign with the Pacers and hit free agency because we've said this from the beginning. They can't lose him for nothing. Miles has said that. So come February 9th, if they can't get a confirmation from him that he'll re-sign, they have to look to move him. Alex Golden is our guest. Payless Liquors Hotline is where he is right now. You can hear his voice on the Setting the Pace podcast. Alex, a guy that, you know, you had mentioned the Pacers have kind of arrived early, and I agree with that. I mean, I think they're ahead of schedule. One of the guys that I have really been pleasantly surprised by, and I didn't know a lot about him, but I wanted you to expand upon what you think of his game. Um, Aaron Neesmith is one that plays defensively exactly as I think they needed, and he reminds me kind of of what Solomon Hill was and the fact that he can knock down a jumper if it comes his way, but his primary purpose is wing defense. But I feel like they still need another one of him to really cement themselves defensively. Your thoughts? Yeah, I will say this. I I was really excited for Aaron Neesmith coming into the season and then, you know, watching him play in October in the beginning of November, probably all the way up until the, the last week of November, he had really struggled. He had, wasn't hitting his threes. He just kind of seemed like he was out of control and, and didn't really know what his role was. But I think now that he's kind of settled into his role, he's playing with much more confidence and playing better. And I think Rick Carlisle praising him saying – He's exactly what you want from an Indiana Pacer player. He does whatever he's asked of. You're right. They need they need one more guy like that. And I think with him being just six foot five, they are going to need someone that's a little bit taller uh, in the playoffs to, to guard bigger wings. Because I do think while he's a great defensive player and arguably their best defender on the team, they still need one more guy like that to really muck things up and really be able to put some pressure on the other team's uh, offense. Because if you want to play good defense here in Indiana. You're going to need more Aaron Neesmith because some of the defense I've seen from this team, specifically on the perimeter, has been been, been hard to watch. So he's been awesome uh, the last all of December and the last week of November. I think the Pacers found themselves a gym in him, and I like your Solomon Hill comparison because he doesn't have to put the ball in the basket to be uh, be content, be satisfied with what's going on. He's just happy uh, to go out there and help his team win. And I think when you can get true team players like that, especially young guys that fit around guys who need the ball, that's that's something that you can't overlook. Guys that are able to accept their role and know what they can do is huge. But at the same time, come playoff time, he's going to have to be able to knock down threes to be playable because if he's somebody that you don't have to worry about guarding on on, on offense for the Pacers, then that's where it can be problematic. And, and we've seen that before with other teams where it's just like you have a really good defender that can't put the ball in the hoop. So it makes it difficult. But I think right now – Aaron Neesmith has been a a really nice surprise for the Pacers. You know, in the Setting the Pace podcast, and I I mean, I will admit, I mean, I love me some me, so I I would assume (laughs) that you get a lot of listenership with that, obviously, Alex, you do a great job covering the Pacers, but uh, me, when I was singing Wham! Hits on your podcast, 
<laughs> probably pretty decent numbers turned in just based off that, right? I mean, the reviews oh, I'm sure were probably pretty good, right? Yeah, I think I think they asked. Some people were uh, messaging me saying, "Hey, can we get Jake on to sing some more songs?" <laughs> and I said, "Maybe we'll do a YouTube live karaoke night with Jake." I'm a terrible singer, but I can sing. George Michael was. I loved George Michael, man. So I was okay. happy to sing some George Michael. Yeah, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> Anything it to feed the I, ego. I, it was fun. You know, I appreciated you singing. I mean. I can carry a tune a little bit, but I just wasn't going to do that on there. I didn't want to embarrass myself. Well, for uh, those but... curious, what it was was you were asking us. We had some fun with it where we were doing it. I loved uh, the kind of outside-the-box thinking on it because that's kind of how I am, obviously. You were asking the Pacers roster if, with each player if they were a Christmas carol, what Christmas carol would they be? So we had fun with that, and people can find <laughs> it on the Setting the Pace podcast I got, with Alex. I got one more. Alex, the Pacers kind of wrapped the, wrapped the year, 2022, with a couple yeah. of tough games, uh, the Cavs tomorrow night, and then uh, New Year's Eve against the Clippers. They get a win in either of those games? Oh, that's a tough one. Cavs are really good. They almost beat them at home, or in Cleveland, I should say. I think they'll get. I think they'll get one. I, I say okay. they go one and one in this one. They need to beat the Clippers. I think they got pretty embarrassed by them as well in Los Angeles to start their road trip. So that'd be a nice revenge game there. Especially, I'd like to see Turner have a great game there, especially after Zubac. Almost did he have thirty rebounds or was it twenty nine? I think he was thirty one and twenty nine. So he was one rebound shy of thirty. I think they got to shut him down and uh, get a revenge game there. <laughs> hey, they had a good crowd last night. I mean, I, I was for a. For a random Tuesday night, I realize that probably a lot of people, some Christmas gifts, that kind of thing. But Alex had a good crowd last night, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't know if it's that the Colts are down or the Pacers are young and rising, but I think people are starting to kind of get into it a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I think fans are really excited about this team moving forward. they got a ton of likable guys, and they're playing fun basketball, and they're winning, you know, much better than it has been the last couple of seasons. And like you said, the Colts being as terrible as they are, it's a breath of fresh air. So I think it's great for the Pacers and it's great for the city to see them rallying around a team that's, uh, you know, really, really ahead of schedule, like I said earlier. I mean, I, I was, I'm kind of shocked right now that they're at where they're at based on what everything we heard from the offseason. But love to see it. And I love that Tyrese Halliburton has really stepped up and looks like a true all-star, potentially an all-star starter uh, this season. And I think that's a big reason why the Pacers are where they're at today. Alex, we always appreciate you picking up the phone for us. Appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Have a happy new year, and we'll talk to you on the other side, all right? All right, guys. I appreciate it. Happy new year to you. Thanks, man. Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast joining us on Kevin and Query. It's time now for Morning Checkdown. Well, we just talked Pacers with Alex Golden, so if you missed it, the Pacers got a 129-114 win over the Atlanta Hawks last night. Buddy Heald, 28 points, 9 rebounds. It was a very good night for Buddy Heald and the Pacers. They get above 500. They're looking pretty good. They take on the Cavaliers tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the Fieldhouse. By the way, I've always wondered this. Um, a, a Cavalier. Yeah. I think of a, a cavalier is like what? What do you what do you think is the de the true definition of cavalier? A cavalier. I mean, we're here to educate and entertain. So what it says right here, <laughs> I, I think personally of a cavalier as being like, for some reason, I want to say like like a pirate type image comes to mind because I think there's usually a sword involved with a cavalier. But is there a particular time period and or origin for Cavalier that it makes a, it a Cavalier? A supporter of King Charles I in the English Civil War. 
Okay. And then also a small spaniel of a breed with a moderately long, non-curly, silky coat. Well, I don't believe that it's that. So there's a Cavalier Spaniel? I guess so. Now, do they have like kind of an, an indifferent opinion about things? I that, don't know. That actually is another definition. If you use Cavalier as an adjective, it's a it's showing a lack of proper concern. But that's is that spelled the same or is that two Yes, e's? it's spelled the same, but you're okay. just using it in a different. Well, there you go. I, I like the idea of the Cavaliers being a team of people who just don't care, but they're on the court playing <laughs> so basketball. They they worked for the king, but they didn't care about him. Right? Well, I guess I'll do this basketball thing. <laughs> don't really want to. <laughs> that that sounded more southern. <laughs> yeah, was, I know. Do I need to do my British accent? Is no, I, oh, God. I just, I, I just, oh, Lord. <laughs> we almost got through the rest of the year without that coming saying, out. I'm just saying, for what it's worth. Lord. Uh, in college basketball, the Cavaliers of Virginia, that's not who I'm talking about, rather Ball State, they are 8-4. The Cardinals have won four straight. They are at home tonight where they are 4-0, taking on Chicago State. That is a 7 o'clock tip. Chicago State comes into the game, by the way, at 3-12. Last night in college basketball, Notre Dame 59-43 over Jacksonville. Notre Dame snaps a three-game losing skid. College bowl games, Buffalo beats Georgia Southern 23-21. Memphis over Utah State 38-10. East Carolina trounced Coastal Carolina 53-29 in Wisconsin over Oklahoma State 24-17. Got another four-pack of games today. UCF takes on Duke at 2 o'clock in the Military Bowl. Kansas and Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl. Oregon and North Carolina in the San Diego Credit San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. My God. And then <laughs> Texas Tech and no, Ole Miss what, in the is, Texas Bowl. I don't really understand why this credit union is sponsoring something if you could only get it if you're in San Diego County. Right? I don't know. Like, what good, who's playing in the San Diego County Credit Union Bowl? 15-ranked uh, Oregon and North Carolina. Okay, so what good does it do if you live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, to open an account at the San Diego County Credit Union? I have no That's idea. That's a long commute to the ATM, is it not? You're paying a lot of $4 service fees there, I Probably, think, yeah. Right? Yeah. East Carolina and Coastal Carolina. Which one is in which state? Oh, boy. I believe East Carolina is the Pirates, right? Yes. Is Coastal Carolina the Chanticleers, or is that... I believe that's correct. Or is that um, Chaminade? <laughs> but I'm going to guess that Coastal Carolina is in Myrtle Beach, and East Carolina, I believe, is in... North Carolina. I'm going to say Fayetteville, North Carolina. East Carolina is in Greenville, North Carolina. Okay. Coastal Carolina is in Conway, South Carolina. Okay. So there you go. Which one would you rather go to? I think Coastal Carolina. <laughs> I think you're right. You're on the coast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been to Myrtle Beach? Uh, have I? No, I think we were going to, and then we Have didn't. you been in the Midway at the Indiana State Fair? Yes. Have you been to Indiana Beach? Yes. Okay, you've been, been, you've been, been there. Beach okay. Thing. Yes, that's correct. I'd like to go to Due West, South Carolina, though. I've, been heard, I've heard nothing but great things. Nothing but great things. <laughs> that's right. It's hard to find, though. It is hard to find. Your, your, your iPhone, you put it in Due West, North Carolina. It turns into a, it, yeah. It, it actually, turns into a who's on first. I'm trying to go Due West. Where is that at? It actually implodes. Yeah. Your, your phone just shuts down and then yeah. says it needs an update, right? It sends you on the canal. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The hell am I doing here? You think that lady knows it's thawed up there? That's what the the ice skater said. I just killed a brown trout with my tire. (laughs) Uh, We come back. It's time for the pop quiz coming up here shortly, right? Yeah. 317-239-1070. Join the fun.
Do you think anybody's listening right now that can call in for the pop quiz? Can we? Get Someone wants an oil in? change. Someone needs it with the below freezing temperatures Jimmy we had Luke a couple days ago. Jimmy Lube oil change on the line for the pop quiz next. 239-1070. Give us a call. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This has been two and a half hours of quality radio, if I do say so myself. There's nothing better than this. Talking about people going in the canals on their car, figuring out where coastal Carolina and East Carolina are. You can't beat this entertainment right now. you know, by the way, that I sent last night, Scotty, a fabulous trivia question? And he didn't use it? No, I wasn't. I asked it first. This was for personal use. Oh. Oh. And he never responded. Wow. He's ghosted you. Do you want to know what my trivia question was, sure. or should I save it no, for go a ahead. rainy day on this program? No, go ahead. Rainy day? That'll probably be like tomorrow. <laughs> True. It's the Midwest weather, my friend. There are six. As a matter of fact, I'll ask this question as a precursor for whoever we select. How's that? Okay. Uh, give me a number one through eight. Let's go with Fast Fingers one. All right. Sam, that would be who? That is Drew. Drew, what's happening? Hey, how's it going? It's going. And yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Just you, uh, just got to work. I was going to say, are you working this week, Drew? It's kind of a weird week work-wise for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm working. Yeah, I'm working. Uh, I'm in service industry. Okay, and you said you just got off work? No, I'm going into work right now. I'm going into work. Working at a restaurant. Oh, that's cool. Uh, are you uh, what? Are you like the cook, waiter, bartender, host? Uh, I, I I, uh, I I deliver food and uh, make food, you know. Just kind of cool. do a little bit, little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, Drew, how old a fella are you? Uh, thirty nine. Thirty nine year old Drew. Uh, I'm going to lead you off, Drew, with a question that I came up with last night off the top of my head during my neuroticism uh, and insomnia, which is a dangerous combination. This is for not sure. in any way, shape, or form going to score for you on the pop quiz for your chance for a Jiffy Lube oil change, but. Here we go. You ready? Uh, you okay. and Mark can combo this. We'll do it in like 20 seconds. There are okay. the, the Wooden Award is the annual award given to college basketball's top performer of the season. It is basically the basketball version of the Heisman. There are six okay. people who have won the Wooden Award and also played for the Indiana Pacers. How many can you name? Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I'm... I'm just going to go with, like, the 90s Pacers names, like Rick Smith and Reggie Miller, uh, John Cena. Uh, John Cena. Cena. Uh, okay. I'm going to go, <laughs> wait, wait, Roman Reigns yeah. and, then Sammy, and then Sammy Zane. I mean, That's you're speaking my language here. Uh, Mark, do you have a guess on any it. of them? I mean, I liked all those that he just mentioned. I don't know if any of those are actually on the Pacers. But, but, I, but, I, but I'm going gonna, gonna to go with Roman Reigns. There there you go. Go. All right, well, stick with that. Uh, stick with the needle mover. Sometime in the next day or so, I'll give the answer to all six. All right, here we go. Would you like for me, that would be Jake, or would you like for Mark, your wrestling brethren, to help you out with question number one? I'm going to go with Mark. <laughs> all right, brother. Uh, Luka Doncic became the first player in the NBA history to record a 60-20-10 triple-double as the Mavericks beat the Knicks in overtime last night. Who is the last player in the NBA to have a 60-point, 20-rebound double-double? Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Malone, or Wilt Chamberlain? 
I'm just going to go with uh, Shaq. Nice. Good guess. All right, question number two. Doc, uh, Luka Doncic is just the third player in NBA history with a 50-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist game. Wilt Chamberlain did it twice. Who is the only player to have uh, – who's the only other player, I should say, to have a 50-20-10 triple-double? Was it Kareem, Russell Westbrook, Elgin Baylor, or James Harden? I'm going to go with James Harden. Okay. Purdue and UConn are one two again in this week's AP men's college basketball poll. Only one team other than the Boilermakers and the Huskies are undefeated in this week's to- AP top twenty-five. Name that team. Is it Miami, New Mexico, Mississippi State, or TCU? I'm gonna go with TCU. All right. Uh question here's a question for you, Drew. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? I've only, I've only watched like the first like episode or two. Okay. Everybody's typed it typed it up for me so much. Do you, do you know what state is known for having allegedly having aliens because of a UFO that crashed there supposedly in the fifties? I'm gonna go with New Mexico. Okay. All right. Question three goes to New Mexico. Uh, all right. Question number four. Austin Eckler scored a pair of touchdowns and the Chargers went over the Colts on Monday Night Football. Eckler leads the NFL with 16 touchdowns this season after scoring a league-leading 20 touchdowns in 2021. Who was the last player to lead the NFL in touchdowns in back-to-back seasons? And by the way, his alma mater still has a chance to win the national title. LaDainian Tomlinson, Jerry Rice, Marshall Falk, or Todd Gurley? I'm just going to go with Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, I saw walking into St. Elmo's when the Super Bowl was hosted here. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I was like, that's Todd Gurley right there. And he looked and he waved. <laughs> Somebody, Todd, he didn't do anything else. He's like, who the hell's that guy? Sure he's thrilled. Who the hell is that? I, saw, I walked past Jerry Jones, too, and I got. I wish I got smacked with $100 million, but I didn't. I was like, drop your credit what card, was, Jerry. What was, that, what was that Colts Grill place downtown? Where Colts they, Grill. Uh, was that what it was called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, one I of remember, eight restaurants that that place the worst like twelve service months in Indianapolis history. That place has been yeah. <laughs> that's that's why it's it was eighty sixth. Yeah. All right, last question. Seventy five years okay. ago today, put on your thinking cap. Seventy five years ago today, this team won its last NFL championship, starting the longest active championship drought. So Name this is the, the franchise that has played the most consecutive seasons without a Super Bowl. Right. Correct. Okay. Yes. And they've moved a few times. They've right? moved quite a few times. They played. Yeah. They played at one point. They played in a city that had a baseball team with the same name. Mm-hmm. Then they moved. They. That's true. Mm-hmm. For warmer pastures, right? Mm-hmm. In the desert, right? Yep. And there, it's, the, it's sometimes the, state the bird, field. Or, the field or tracks. Cardinals. A Arizona Cardinals. Oh, man. I was hoping you'd get it at some point. Okay, here we go. Let's Hang see. Drew. Let's see how Drew did. Question number one. Luka Doncic became the first NBA. Fair enough. First player in NBA history to record a 60-20-10 triple-double. Uh, he did it last night. Shaquille O'Neal, by the way, had a uh, the last player to have a 60.20 rebound double-double. We're going to go out of order here. Uh, Purdue and UConn are 1-2. Who's the other, only other unbeaten in the AP's top 25? New Mexico. He got correct. Uh, Elgin Baylor, by the way, was the answer for question number two. He had said James Harden. It was Elgin Baylor that was the correct answer. Todd Gurley and the Cardinals were the other two answers. 
So there you go. By the way, the sixth player, Scotty. Scotty Johnson has walked in. Thanks, Drew. Did you see my text last night, Scotty? Have you been thinking about that? Six Wooden Award winners have played for the Indiana Pacers. We're going to see how many Scotty John Stoney can name right now off the top of his head. Tyler Hansborough is one. Do we have the ding? Ding. Um, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald. Nice. Mm. Number two. Okay. TJ Ford. TJ Ford. Another random. That's three. Um, Scotty looked this up. He clearly <laughs> looked it up. He cheated. He's had all night to look about it. Comes in here. You got three left. You want the schools? Kind of a giveaway. One of them, it's a big giveaway. Okay, one, uh, two are still in the league. And one went back to coach at the place where he won the Wooden Award. Of the three remaining, one played for his father. Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott. You have two left. Uh, one returned to coach at his alma mater. And the other was an acquisition that people thought was going to put the Pacers over the top. And really the biggest contribution the guy made was he ran out of gas in his Ferrari on 465. <laughs> Not Wayman Tisdale. Wayman Tisdale is a fabulous guess. Not Wayman Tisdale. The correct answers, because this is obviously the best radio ever in the history of since Marconi invented the, the median. Chris Mullen. It, well, can we? Yeah, I, actually, I'm going to ding Jake, myself here. You know the answer. I was I was signaled for a ding. I, I, so. I know. Habit. And the last one, Ohio State. Evan Turner. Evan Turner mm. was the last one. That's the easiest. The, the the one that's the most like really. Yeah. Then we can't obscure. forget Pacers All Star point guard John Cena. Yeah, that's right. Of yeah, course, of course. Yeah. Roman Reigns filling up the backcourt. Uh, we'll come back and put a bow tie on all of it. Probably mercifully at this point. It's Kevin and Query on a Wednesday, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sixteen minutes before the top of the hour on a Wednesday. It is a good-looking day outside. Hope that you folks have something Fun planned if you're working, and several of you are. We appreciate you making us part of your morning this morning on kind of that weird week in between the holidays. It's so weird anyway with, you know, I'm, I'm 50 years old, so I've been on the planet for 50 holiday seasons, meaning I've been cognitively aware of probably 46 of them. And I always forget that Christmas Day, is it Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are exactly one week apart, and I'm always like, "No, yeah. is it six days or seven yeah. days?" Like it, I, it, like I get all thrown off. But um, it still is weird. Like New Year's Day is Sunday, right? Correct. So Monday, January second, is clearly the most depressing day of the year, right? It's the day that everyone will write 2022 on their checks or wherever. Who and writes like, checks, Mark? I'm just saying somebody will write. Well, I have to write it down for like logs and all that stuff. I will. I guarantee you I will write down 2022. Right. I just, you know, to me this week is weird because you, you as soon as, maybe I'm alone in this, but as soon as Christmas is over, literally by like 
two o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Day, it's like, okay, like, l- let's go. Like, I love Christmas. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love everything going, building up to it. I love the nostalgia of it. I love the warmth of it, all of it. Okay. But as soon as it's like two in the afternoon on Christmas Day, I'm like, okay, let's just rip the page off and get, let's just get winter behind us now. And then you go through this week where you're like, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm, back on the treadmill after the holidays and and we're plugging along here and I'm I'm waiting through this and it's still not even January yet. Yeah, I feel like January is the worst worst uh, month of the year because you're just like let's get out of winter, Christmas is over and now there's nothing really going on. It's it is rough, man. It's a transition month. And you also know like in February it's not bad because you know that March is around the corner. Right. In January you're just like uh yeah i mean it's rough um it's not there's some colts news happening this morning correct yes so the colts sent out a little little under a half hour ago uh we've signed cornerback daryl baker or darrell baker jr to the 53 man roster from the practice squad and placed cornerback isaiah rogers on season ending ir what was the injury for rogers i don't know i don't recall but they he his season is done he will not play his final two games so his season is is kaput uh, and another another cornerback coming up from the practice squad for the Colts. And then other NFL news, the, Col- the the Commanders, despite being in the playoff race, thanks to Taylor Heineke for the most part, are going back to Carson Wentz as their starter to take on the Browns. So that's a lot of uh, pressure on Carson Wentz's now, shoulders, if you ask me. Uh, Carson Wentz, though, I believe Scotty is still here, so he can correct me if I'm wrong. The disclaimer that Carson Wentz had to take 70% of the snaps in order for the Colts pick coming back from washington to stay a second rounder i believe that's already passed that's long gone i think yeah there's no chance of that so it will be a third rounder that the colts get in exchange for carson wentz i I wonder what the thought process is or the reaction probably a better word is for washington fans about that switch i don't think it's great i don't think they're really I mean, they were they were on death's door as far as playoffs were concerned with Carson Wentz under center, and then they turned the page to Taylor Heineke when Wentz went down with the ring finger injury, and he, he kind of turned their entire season around just the way by he played. He didn't play bad either. I mean, yes, they lost the 49ers, but, I mean, he was 13 for 18 for 166 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. He wasn't terrible, So, but they're rolling with Wentz now again. So but it's a curious decision if you ask me. I, I Here's the thing. You're hanging on to the seventh seed. You're clinging for life. Carson Wentz is kind of like, and you can say this in in either male or female. I, you know, Carson Wentz is like the significant other that you meet at a bar or a party or whatever. That's pretty attractive, and you're like. This is weird. Like this, per- like I'm, I'm really into this person, and people are like, you know, the, the last couple of breakups for them have been pretty bad, and I, I don't know what's going on, but like people seem to walk from it, and, and like the break, and you're like, no, well, I mean, I, I'll change them, like it'll be different with me, I'll, I'll change them, and then you know, you get into it, and you're like, okay, yeah, now I see why there was this person was available, and with Carson Wentz. I do think he's a talented guy. And, and, you know, I remember saying with JMV at the beginning of last year, probably four or five weeks in, 
saying, you know what, I think I was wrong on this guy. Like, I think he he looks like he can be the guy. He's mobile. He's big. He's got a good arm. There were a lot of things I liked about him. But Indianapolis soon found out what clearly Philadelphia did, which was there's something about him that we don't want to make him the guy. And, you know, I've heard stories of just none of it being egregious, like he's a terrible human being type stuff. But just little things about Carson Wentz, Mark, that turned people off a little bit. Where you're just like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, um, all of us have in a workplace, sometimes the boss will send an email that says, hey, it's not mandatory, but we're going to have cake and ice cream in the break room for the owner's birthday on Wednesday at 1. And you're like, uh, okay, I mean, it's not mandatory, but like, it's kind of like, you know, like. Yeah. Getting nudged in my ribs a little bit. Correct. I feel like right? I should go to the kitchen now. Probably would be smart of me to, to attend such a thing. Yeah. And I think that there were certain things when it came to the top brass of the Colts that were just kind of an understood that you should do that Carson Wentz did not. You know, when, when the people that are signing or determining the amount of your paycheck are standing outside the locker room and you come out of the locker room, you probably should stop and acknowledge them or say hi. You know, little things like that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make him a bad person. I just think that Carson Wentz maybe grew up really sheltered. And Washington, I believe, probably thinks or thought, like Indianapolis did, like, we can change him. He'll be different here. Because he does have physical attributes. And I don't, again, I want to make clear because I realize he became a polarizing figure because of the the vaccine, you know, which it's a whole different talk show for really, thankfully, I think at this point, kind of a bygone era. But, you know, he just put himself in position to be scrutinized here. He should have changed his name to Buddy Wentz and then he'd be everybody's friend. Much like Buddy Healed. He's just everybody's buddy. Yeah. You you know what That's all you, ask you know for. what they say about Buddy Healed? What? You need a buddy. There you go. Who doesn't need a buddy? Right. I could use one right now. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Everybody needs a buddy. Right? People are saying that that Snickers coffee is solid. I, I tend to agree, by the way. Now wait a minute. Okay, so the Snick so for those that are just joining this uh from you know, where have you been? Uh, this morning when the show began, Mark had mentioned that he was drinking Snickers coffee. Still am. Now, is that so is this a brand of coffee that is simply flavored as Snickers or is, yes, is the, the Snicker folks making coffee now? No, no, no. It's the, it's the donut shop. They're a pretty popular Keurig brand. So you get that and they have a Snickers coffee. I think they have a Cinnabon coffee. They've got a whole bunch of stuff. So they the, got a the, smorgasbord of The Keurig of is the little the little plastic cup that you put in and then you it, you press it and yep. like a thing. Mm-hmm. And how long does it take to make a cup of coffee? Oh, I mean like 30 seconds. Okay. And then uh that that little cup, the little plastic dealio, uh-huh. uh that 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 makes a full how many ounces, 12 ounces. of coffee? A 12 ounce cup yeah. of coffee. And and so you can buy it you don't have to buy the Keurig brand. No, coffee. I mean you have to buy one that works with a Keurig, but yeah, you can. You don't have to buy Keurig brand coffee. Okay, and then now a while ago, weren't the Keurig makers weren't people throwing those out because they they got sideways with them politically? I wasn't have no that idea. the thing. I don't know if it was politically as much as environmentally because the K cups are you know not the best for the environment. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think the group that was challenging people to throw those out, though, were the environmentally aware folk, right? Was, I, that that part I may not I, be aware I, I of. I thought it was Rush Limbaugh that was telling no, people I, to throw out their carrot. Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know what rabbit hole N- we're going Not down. recently. <laughs> oh, boy. Good point, Sam. <laughs> Good point. I, I thought that was right. Maybe it was... But anyway, I know that people are wild about the Keurigs. Um, and so you buy the Snicker brand. Well, I bought the, it because it was on sale the, the at Kroger. They had what about, the, don't they, they have an Almond Joy? On. Do they have an Almond Joy? No, they had, what did I see? I don't know. They do it. They, they had Heath Bar, I thought I saw. They have they had Cinnabon, the Krispy Kreme. That, uh, that, Mark, you're not drinking real coffee, bud. That's, you're drinking, it's from you're, a plastic. You're drinking and, like hot chocolate. No, no. They sell hot chocolate, too, though. <laughs> There's Swiss Miss. I saw Swiss Miss on sale. For a taste test comparison, Mark, why not tomorrow drink standard brand, you know, whatever brand coffee, but not Snickers based? Original blend Dunkin' Donuts. How eat, about that? Eat a Snickers bar while drinking the coffee. That's see which one idea. is the better flavor. How profile. about just buying a Snickers bar and dunking it inside your regular coffee? But and then you got it the melt. peanuts in there there's and all that stuff. This is peanut free right there's here. Nothing there's, no, there's nothing worse than a melty Snickers. Around. Do you have nut allergies? No. Okay. Well, how about this? Why don't I go and buy a thing of the Death Wish coffee that's got fifteen hundred milligrams of caffeine and see if you can drink a twelve ounce cup of it tomorrow? Boy, you better have the <laughs> ambulance on on ready. I mean, that sounds like it would be a bit much, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I'm concerned for myself just thinking about that. I can't even imagine you drinking it. You said you blended it with Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Oh, I mean, it like, sounds horrible. No, no, no. Like it's literally there's hardly any in there because. Hardly any in there. You went over it. You said there's like 1,500 things of caffeine no. in so like what an I did is I bought like the bag of Dunkin' Donuts breakfast blend coffee, like ground coffee, right? Then I bought a small bag of the highly caffeinated coffee, and I put into a container. I dumped the into the container that I scoop my coffee in the morning. I dumped the entire bag of the Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. and then put like four scoops of the the highly caffeinated and mixed it all in. And you made one cup of coffee out of all that? No, 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 no. Like each morning I make a cup of coffee out of this concoction. So okay. in other words, in other words, I have a thing of ground coffee. Oh, okay. 10% of it is the highly caffeinated. It's mixed in gotcha. with the other. So I'm getting That's a fancy boy coffee machine. I have my own grounds. Breaking bad formula. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, I mean Look, you, you ain't dealing with the chimp here. I mean, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right, brother. I guess so. You know, that's how I do things. You got to go all in. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. Well, that's putting a bow on this show, I guess. <laughs> Jake uh, what is we got, excited what we got tomorrow, Mark. Tomorrow is Thursday, so I'm assuming we're going to have Zach Kiefer and Scott Agnes as the usual. On might try to get a Giants beat reporter on if we want to discuss Colts Giants coming up on Sunday, the penultimate game of the Colts 2022 season. Mercifully, yeah, right? yeah, it's almost over, folks. Mercifully, and then ending with the. Houston Texans, who, by the way, yesterday, if you missed it, even though he's not a Texan now, J.J. Watt announcing his retirement at the age of 33 at the completion of the NFL season. I got into a furious debate on where he ranks with defensive players historically in the NFL. You folks have a great day. We'll talk to you at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning.